You're listening to the audio-only version of the Moe Gamer podcast. Don't forget you can watch a video version of this episode over on YouTube. Check moegamer.net for a link to the channel. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of the Moe Gamer podcast. I'm Pete Davison from moegamer.net and I'm joined by not one but two of the best people on the internet today. So, uh, <laughs> chaps, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself today if that's okay. Yes. So, uh, hopefully you guys are used to hearing my voice by now. I'm Chris from MrGilderPixels.com. How's everybody doing? And I am Joe from Airy Channel on Twitch TV. It's good to be back. Excellent stuff. Right, so the reason I've got um, uh, slightly more people than usual together today is that uh, with it just being sort of E3 wrapping up at the time of recording, we wanted to have a nice big chat about all the things that have happened that we're excited about that look interesting and that sort of thing. So it's going to be slightly different format to usual today. Rather than starting with the news, we're going to save all our E3 discussion for our main topic of the day. So it's going to be a combination of news and the main topic, uh, which means we're going to kick off with uh, a bit of chat about what we've been playing recently. Because I know Chris and I have got some stuff we want to talk about. Joe, I'm sure there's some things you want to talk about that uh, that you've been streaming or playing as well. So uh who would like to begin um do we want to discuss our mutual fevers oh that's as good a place as any to start i think isn't it so um i don't i actually don't know how you pronounce the name of this game do you you say the cross or not um i don't i don't i don't think you say the cross yeah okay lapis labyrinth then that's that's agreed we'll call it that so lapis labyrinth is um nipponichi's new game uh, which had, uh, had been teased for a little while and then sort of uh, quietly snuck out um, probably a few weeks back now, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, oh, it's it's good. It's real good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you played this at all yet, Jay? Yeah, I played uh, one stream of it and um, every time I did, it felt like I was playing through a casino, every, yes. through the levels, exactly. like, all kinds of yeah. lights and sounds. It was just overwhelming i was like what's this what's that what's going on <laughs> uh, i'm just trying to get through this and i'm just it, it's just total sensory overload but it's fun oh it's it's absolute chaos um so for, for those who haven't um seen what this is all about yet this is a combination of things really so it's it's ostensibly an action rpg um but it's also got some platform gaming in there uh, it's got um, some shoot 'em up style mechanics in there, particularly with regard to uh, power-ups and scoring and that sort of thing. So what it basically is, is an arcade-style action RPG with a strong focus on attaining high scores and combos. Um, and so the way it works is you take um, a, a team of four adventurers who stack up in this adorable little dango stack, and you control the one that's on the bottom. And then you have access to the special abilities of the other ones, or you can switch between them. And you work your way through a series of stages. Uh, in each stage, you have to find these purple diamonds to unlock the exit. And along the way, you beat up monsters and get treasure. But the, the sort of core thing that's going on here um, is uh, there's a combat count for how much treasure you've collected uh, without taking any damage. And so the game is not about being especially challenging in terms of the combat itself. It's a game about not getting hit so you can get this combo as high as possible and attain high scores. Because the higher your combo is, the higher the score multiplier goes up and the more treasure you get. And the more you get exciting flashy lights and things. Um, so this is mechanic in here that's um, inspired by uh, sort of pachinko machines, I think, mm-hmm. called Fever. 
which is similar to what happens in a pachinko machine when you get like, like a, a whole torrent of balls comes out of the machine. In this, uh, when you've collected a certain amount of treasure, you enter fever mode and there's this um, incredibly infectiously energetic music starts playing, fireworks start going off in the background, and suddenly everything you touch explodes into gems and it's absolute chaos. And uh, in order to allow you to enjoy that to the maximum, you are completely invincible while fever is going on as well. So you can just keep beating the shit out of things and hitting blocks and watching all the pretty colours fly around the screen and, and lots of points. And it's incredibly satisfying. Yeah, I think t to me, um, you know, the, the pachinko thing is really what's interesting is um, I always like to pay attention to the deep mechanical design theories behind uh, specifically Nipponichi games. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of their games are always like, it's this plus this. So yeah. really what they've done here is tried to meld the aesthetic and like the viscerally satisfying feel of Pachinko to an action RPG. And they've yeah. done it. They've done it incredibly well. It's really, really interesting to me to play. Um, because you know, Pachinko, in a similar vein to the way this game is constructed, you can't really lose at Pachinko. You can just not get as good a score at Pachinko. You just play mm -hmm. till, you, till you're done. Um, and Lapis kind of feels the same way. Like, even if you're not... It's a great game to play if you want a relaxing time, too, because it's a little easygoing. And the challenge is how much you want to challenge yourself to attain those scores. And I really appreciate games like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm yeah. the one scaling the difficulty based on my own goals. Yeah, I mean, technically, there's no real way to fail as such. So, like, even if you run out of time on a level or get caught by the, the phantom that appears when you do that and, and you supposedly fail the quest, you still get a bunch of rewards for it. You don't get quite as many as if you completed the quest successfully, but you you still get some stuff. So you, you're making progress all the time, even, even if you don't technically succeed at what you're trying to do. Yeah, and there's no... There's no punishments for failure yeah. you know you know there's no permadeath which is so popular these days like no you can just keep developing your little dudes like there's no mm -hmm. there's no loss yeah yeah and there's um it, it kind of opens up more and more progression mechanics as you go through as well so there's this a, a system in it where you, your characters reset to level one every time you start a new dungeon run um but there's um an element of sort of uh, persistent progression in terms of their equipment which is probably the most important thing and then as you clear the early dungeons you start unlocking these other elements so first of all you unlock um a place where you can get these grimoires which allow you just a permanent flat increase to things like hit points and attack and resistance and stuff um then the next one you unlock the blacksmith which allows you to upgrade your weapons and attach various abilities to them um, then the, the bit I've just got to, which is after completing the third dungeon, you unlock the dojo, which allows you to um, buff specific aspects of a character up to a certain point, and then you can increase the cap on that and so on. And so, so it seems like it's really simple to begin with, but the, the further you go in it, the more and more sort of distinctively Nipponichi stuff you start coming across. It's, uh, yeah, there's a, a, lot, a lot of depth there. Yeah, classic, classic Nipponichi, really. I think it's a game that's really well suited for um, portable play too on the Nintendo Switch because it's quick and casual. You can pick it up, yeah. you can put it down at any time, and it doesn't really demand a lot of your time with each each session. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's become a game that I play like out, out in the morning before work. Like if I just finish my breakfast and I've got 15 minutes before I've got to drive to work, like 
I fire off a couple runs in that, and it, it's really yeah. pleasant to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, a, a single run takes no more than about 10 minutes or so, because each floor has a five-minute time limit, and most of the dungeons I've done so far have been no more than, like, three or four floors in total. So, yeah, you, you, you can do a, a complete run of one of these stages in the game in, yeah, 15 minutes or so. It's, it's great. There's, um, there's a certain amount of uh, mobile game DNA in there as well, isn't there? Yeah, very much so, uh, especially with the way the missions end. So, like, when the mission ends, based on your performance, you're allotted a certain number of keys. And then you're presented with three treasure chests that will contain loot. You're given a clue as to what type of item they contain. And then you have to choose which of those three treasure chests you want to open. You can keep opening treasure chests until you've spent all your keys. So, there's a, there's a heavy gotcha element there. But no microtransactions. So, mm -hmm. re so really what they've done here is they've melded the kind of gimme gimme roulette wheel slot machine satisfac addiction factor and satisfaction that's inherent in a gotcha mobile game. But they've rid it of all like the, the pleasant pain or whatever terminology the, <laughs> the, the, you know, that the mobile game writers assign to shit like this. So it's literally just all pleasure with no, with like zero. <laughs> Like, zero punishments, and like, okay, so you didn't pick the right treasure chest? Cool, you can do another run, you can replay any of the missions. So, it's just all satisfaction with, like, no no letdown. Yeah. It just yeah, it tickles all the pleasure centers of your brain. It's, like, uniquely designed to do so. It's consistent rewards, consistent progression, and a really wholesome, welcoming, beautiful visual aesthetic. Oh, it's like, gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, this game is ace, and of course we will be the only people who give it any lip service. <laughs> that's that's yeah, how that's, it is. Yeah, that said, um, I, I have been looking around at sort of uh, reactions to this elsewhere, and it, it seems to have been received pretty positively by a lot of people. Like I've that's even great seen, news. I've even seen sort of reasonably high-profile people like Jim Sterling covering it and, and and being quite positive about it as well, which is unusual for this kind of game. So. I think it will be acknowledged. I, I, I don't think it's going to sell a lot of copies or anything like that, but I, I think it will, it will certainly be appreciated, but it, it could probably be uh, a little more appreciated as always. But, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, if you fancy something that's, uh, that's uh, a bit of fun and will keep you busy for uh, 10, 15 minutes at a time, then, yeah, Lapis Labyrinth definitely, definitely worth your time. Also the cuties. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ch cute, chibi, chubby cuties. Definitely. Uh, uh, the words, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like the necromancer. <laughs> yeah, and I like the mage because she has kitty ears. Yes. Yeah, she's my main at the minute just because she does astronomical amounts of damage if yeah. you upgrade her weapon as much as I have. Yeah. <laughs> the nun is great too with her like jabby spear because mm. she does like the lightning fast like hundred jabs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, as tempting as it is to make this a Lapis Labyrinth podcast, um, let's let's move on a little bit. So, Joe, do you want to talk a bit about what you've been playing or what you've been streaming lately? Yeah, I can get into a little bit of both, but uh, mm. man, I've been playing so much lately. So, um, off stream, I've been playing uh, a lot of mobile games. I've been playing Dragalia Lost. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot going on in the game right now. They just released a new Void Dragon. So, for those who don't know. Um, the, the game has a progression system where it has an end game. You face one of three high dragons, which are the hardest opponents in the game. 
And the game has a very heavy co-op element. So they're kind of like... They're like legitimate bosses. They have all these mechanics and things. It's kind of like a mini raid for those of you hmm. familiar with MMO terminology. So right now, um, a lot of players are trying to gear up um, using the the Void Dragon to get to the High Dragon, and they release a bunch of weapons. And um, it's a pretty it's a pretty quiet period in the game. But uh, my friends and I are trying to go together to uh, to take on one of the high dragons. We have to upgrade all our equipment, all our buildings and everything. Um, Dragalia has like a, a building system, kind of like, uh, I don't want to say like Farmville, but you, it develops in kind of the same way, where you yeah. have to invest resources to, um, you know, upgrade your buildings, which in turn makes your adventures stronger, and there's all kinds of ways to strengthen everything, so... Um, that's more or less what I'm working on right now. Um, nothing too exciting there. Um, on stream, I'm playing Fatal 12. I started Fatal 12. Um, it's a visual novel about a competition um, in the afterlife where 12 people who died at the same time um, have to uh, eliminate each other in sort of a kind of magical battle royale match to um, get a second chance at living. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to come at you with a gun and grenades. Not, No, it's not that kind of battle royale. Um, to eliminate someone else in the game, you have to know their name, you have to know how they died, and you have to know their regret. So um, you, the participants are people from like all around the world, and they have to learn about each other, and learn about their motivations, their personalities, and everything. And it's, it's just really, really, really interesting overall. So... Um, I'm probably going to be wrapping that up soon, but uh, I've been really, really enjoying that so far. There's there's some Yuri elements too in it uh, for people who like that, but I don't want to spoil too much. Say, so, so for 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 people, because we don't call we we don't call people who don't like that people. We call them monsters, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I was looking to wrap that up soon, and um, tonight we're going to be playing some Tekken Seven as a group. Um, and next week, um, I'm looking to play Bloodstained very yeah. soon. Yes. Uh, followed Aren't by Judgment. And Are we all backers here? I think we're all backers. I, I am a backer, full disclosure. I am a backer. I backed at the $60 yeah. level to get the uh, GOG physical version. So what they said in their email uh, for PC players is that we would get a code on release date, and then the actual physical version would be following thereafter it's just that uh, consoles the console versions got shipped out first so that's where i'm at um yeah i i, I kind of wish they'd, they'd sorted this out a little bit earlier because what this basically means is that the physical pc version is going to be complete it's going to have all the stuff in it whereas the console versions because they had to arrange them so early there's no way that they can include um, all the post-launch DLC on the cartridge or disc or whatever. So, I kind of wish I'd done that a bit sooner. Otherwise, I would it might have uh, plumped for the PC version. But uh, as it is, I've uh, I'm switched. It on Switch, so, <laughs> so you know, you know, there's totally going to be a complete edition down the line. I'm eh. sure there will be, and I'll buy it again like a sucker I am. So. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm fine with it so long as I get to play day one. I have I have no complaints there, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I've been looking forward to it for a really long time, so I'm hoping that mm. it turns out great. Yeah, um, I mean, but after I'm sorry. After that, um, I was going to take a break because I'm going to go away to uh, Anime uh, Expo the uh, first oh, week cool. of July. So nice. that should be a lot of fun. Cool. 
All right. Well, uh, plenty on your plate then, certainly. And uh, I think we're all looking forward to Bloodstained. So, yeah. I we'll keep be- forgetting about Bloodstained. Like, in yeah. litter, in four days, we have, we're going to have a new Ega game. I know. Like, Crazy. when was like when was the last Egavania? Like, when was the last... That was the one with... What's her name? That was... Um, yes, Order of Ecclesia on the Nintendo DS. His uh, his last great uh, Metroidvania. Is that, we, we don't use that word around here. <laughs> oh, we don't? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know we had banned words here. <laughs> he's new. We, 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 we had a whole podcast on, on why we don't like the word Metroidvania anymore. It's it's fine. It's fine. We'll 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 allow it. Um, has there really not been a, a, a Castlevania on 3DS? Aside from Mirror there, of Fate. There has. Just, well, yeah, just yeah, Mirror of Fate. That's, that's it. That's Which is a great game, but it, yeah. it doesn't feel like, you know. Yeah. Like an Ega game, yeah. So that's bonkers. Been a long, been a long time since this guy's made something for us. Yeah. Well, hopefully it is uh, everything that uh, everyone hoped for. I, I actually watched some of the trailers for the first time recently, and I I I love the trailer where he shows the graphical improvements, and like he's he's just there's just like it it's showing footage of the game with all like steam comments of people whinging about the graphics and so on and then yeah and he's just sitting in his throne he throws the wine glass aside and he's like i will show them i'll show them all <laughs> and then he's like doing a split screen on the left hand side it says poop and then the right hand side it says new it's brilliant it's fantastic yeah um i, I had to express some concern because uh, i know that integrates was moving over to make that uh, that 8-bit game but the 8-bit mm-hmm. game turned out really well, and now that yeah. Way Forward is on this, I uh, I still have faith in the project because uh, Way Forward has a very strong uh, pedigree when it comes to making games of this sort, especially with yeah. uh, with their Shantae series. So I think yeah, uh, I think it's safe to have high hopes for this one. Yeah, yeah, very excited. All right, um, Chris, have you got anything else you want to mention? Yeah, you know what I've been fooling around with lately? Uh, a little game um, that's available on like, every platform known to man, because it actually started with on the mobile phone, um, but it's not like a mobile game. It's just a game that happens to be on mobile. It's like a fully featured game. It doesn't have like microtransactions and stuff. It's called Cyrilium 2. Um, so it was, uh, I'm playing it on the Vita. Uh, Limited Run did a pressing of it a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a it's a truckload of fun. Yeah, it's It's basically just... Imagine the infinite everything ethos of an NIS game, a, a, like like a like a Disgaea or like a Lapis Labyrinth, like we were talking to about, but applied to a Pokemon slash Shin Megami Tensei style monster collecting game. Well, this sounds right up your alley. <laughs> it's yeah, yes, it's a very fine time. So you basically just—I mean, this thing was clearly made in RPG Maker with like like the fonts and the menus are like oh, it's all ugly like stock fonts and like stock yeah. resources, but um, it just plays really solid. It's so, like you're like the king of this kingdom who can like raise monsters, trying to like defend the kingdom from some kind of like overarching like galaxy threatening like threat and whatever and the way you do this is by like talking to your crystal and like delving into these dungeons which are all randomly generated um and every time you dive into these dungeons they're basically they build a floor for you based off of a collection of elements i think there's maybe like 12 different elements or themes then mm-hmm. that dictates the the layout of the dungeon what monsters you'll be able to fight and collect in that dungeon and uh it just like goes on like to infinity 
Like, I think you can level your monsters up to, like, 999 or whatever, and, like, nice. you can breed them and, like, crossbreed them. You can break them down and then reincarnate them with stats so they're more powerful next time. And it's just all the classic stuff you expect from a monster collecting game. So, like, you know, there's a tree of elemental weaknesses that all interrelate, um... And it's it's just great. Uh, you you also the monsters can be equipped with weapons. The weapons themselves also level up from use. Can be tinkered with at a blacksmith. So like if you're like a guy who likes RPGs that are n- m- uh, narrative light but mechanically focused, Seerlium is a massive time sink in a very positive way. It's just old school pixel art and uh, Dragon Quest style. But combat, where it's just like you see the monsters in front of you, they stand, they're all square shaped. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's just a little indie thing, and I'm having a ton of fun with it because of just the random generation for the stage layouts and the the sheer volume of content. It's a great little Vita treat to tinker with. Oh, cool, sounds great. I've not heard of that one before. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the name before, I think, but I didn't know anything about it. But yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, there's two of them, but I I think you can just dive right into two. I think it's a yeah. bit more mechanically polished than the original. And like I said, narrative is not important, so mm-hmm. I would just check out two. But yeah, Cerulean two, that's really neat. Cool. All right. Um, last thing I want to talk about is uh, Kotodama, the Seven Mysteries of Fujisawa. Uh, which is uh, the first game that P-Cube developed in collaboration with a Japanese company called Artco Limited, I think they're called. Um, but yeah, this this is a really cool game. Um, this is mostly a visual novel, um, but it's got puzzle game sequences in it as well. So um, it is not, as some people have accused it of, being a honeypop clone because it's not a dating sim and it has a narrative rather than just characters being entertaining. Um and yeah, the, the it's kind of a sort of uh, mystery slash horror story, and so the the idea is based around uh, sort of the fairly common thing you get in a lot of anime and games that are set in school environments, which is that the the school has a uh, it has seven seven legendary mysteries uh, surrounding it, and you are uh, the new kid at school. And uh, you start hearing about these mysteries and uh, you get roped into investigating them by the occult research club that apparently all Japanese schools have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the the twist is uh, you transferred out of your old school for mysterious reasons that are probably something to do with the fact that you made a pact with a demon that allows you to uh, see the truth inside of people's hearts by manipulating their emotions. Um, Standard high school shit. You know, like in every Japanese high school, yes. Um, (laughs) Well, there's always one. Yeah, exactly. So the the way this unfolds is that um, on your first playthrough, you go through a pretty linear storyline. There aren't many choices to make, and you end up at a point where something, I won't spoil it, but something goes wrong. And you end up going back to the start of the story. Um, and then something goes very wrong and then you go back to the start of the story again and from that point on uh, you then have a lot more choices that you're able to make along the way that allows you to delve a lot more deeply into these mysteries and uncover the actual truth behind them Um, and so yeah the, the 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 sort of flow of it is basically there's a bunch of visual novel stuff you then have a sequence in which you can go between different areas in the school and different things happen according to the order that you do things in um there's an in-game social network that's it's called quacker but it's obviously twitter um 
but um, cer certain events are dependent on you having read messages on there as well. So, for example, you might see some people discussing one of the uh, one of the kids at the school, and they say, "Oh, uh, I know this kid. He's he's the childhood friend of the librarian, or something like that." And if you've read that tweet, you will then know when you next go to the library to ask the librarian about uh, being childhood friends with him. Um, and so there's all sorts of interdependencies like that. Um, and so your aim in each chapter is to uncover the complete mystery. Um, when you uncover the complete mystery, you get a significant advantage in the puzzle game sequences in that all the what were previously obstacle gems become these rainbow gems uh, that make it much more easy to uh, attain the point total you need to complete each of those sequences. And so the puzzle game sequences are... Um, a depiction of like i say you manipulating the characters emotions to try and get them to admit something that they're either repressing or they don't want to talk about mm. and um yeah in in doing so you um it's uh, like a grid of gems but it, it doesn't play like bejeweled so it's not swapping gems what you do is you click on a gem and it sends that gem up to the top of the column that it's in and then you have to make lines of three or more by doing that. Because it's a very different way of manipulating the board to something like Bejeweled as well. It takes a bit of adjusting to, but it's um, yeah, it's really interesting strategic gameplay in those sequences. Um, and um, yeah, there's uh, lots, of, lots of people in their underwear. Because um, you are apparently imagining stripping away the layers of truth as just stripping off their clothes. So that's Yeah. So that that sequence you were talking about, it, it reminded me a lot of um, that that thing you do in Phoenix Wright, where you have to uh, undo the um, witnesses' yes. psychologs. You have yes. to you have to break through by presenting evidence. So, is there yeah. any of that involved? It's it's not a full on adventure game. So there's there's no sort of inventory manipulation or presenting objects or anything like that. It's it's all to do with the context in which you reach these various scenes. So so like I say, if if you checked um, Quacker bef before you speak to a particular character, your protagonist will know to mention something. Uh, otherwise, they might not remember it. But then there's also the twist that the protagonist remembers the previous playthroughs as well, so that um, he will reach particular situations and know that oh right. I, I should keep this person away from this location at this time because otherwise something bad will happen and you'll get reminders that way as well. So it's it's not quite a full-on adventure game like Phoenix Wright is, but there's there's certainly elements of that sort of thing there. And um, yeah, so I am currently at the point where things go wrong in your first playthrough um, and I think I've done everything I need to to actually be able to proceed past that now. And then there's two more chapters after that to finish off the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that all concludes. But uh, yeah, it's a really fun game with a really interesting structure. And the fact that it's got this interesting structure means that you can immediately tell from a review of it whether the reviewer actually bothered to finish it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. So yeah, that's that's definitely worth, uh, worth checking out. I'm enjoying that a lot. Um, and yeah, I hope uh, hope you see some more stuff from P-Cube then because... Uh, hope this is a, a successful one. It seems to have been quite well received by a lot of smaller sites and, and YouTubers and that sort of thing. So um, that's good. I hope that encourages them to, to keep doing what they do. Oh, uh, speaking of P-Cube, um, I know they have uh, Gun Gun Pixies coming out, and I saw mm -hmm. a listing on PlayAsia for a day one edition with an art book. So oh, nice. I know that's going to be a thing in the EU. I don't know if it's going to be available in the US. I kind of hope it is. 
because yeah, I'd rather this... not have to import that, but... Yeah, you can definitely get it natively here, because I, I pre-ordered it on Amazon as soon as it became available. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know about North America, so... Can't help you there, I'm afraid. Um, but uh, yeah, have, have a look around. If not, you can you can probably import the European version from Amazon if if Amazon Europe ships to the US, because I know that Amazon US ships to Europe. So yeah, I'd have to check the other that. way around. Though. There are also loads of sellers on eBay that sell EU games with free shipping to the US. Yeah. Um, like I got my copy of. Um, I have an EU copy of the complete edition of Bloodborne that I mm -hmm. got for a very inexpensive price shipped to the US for free. Oh, that's um, cool. I got a copy of, well, that Anima, Gate of Memories. Um, uh, the only way to get the physical version in the US originally for the PS4 was this big, stupid collector's edition that had all this stuff in it I didn't want for $60. Yeah. So, so there was a $30 version in the EU that I got, I got shipped here for free from eBay. So, cool. if if getting EU copies of games is something you're after, I, I recommend checking eBay as well. I've mm. been look, I've been trying to do that myself for the the second Shadow of Mordor game. All right, yeah. Because the complete edition in the U.S., all the DLC isn't on the disc. No, oh, it's 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 just like programmed on the disc to prompt you to download it. Right. But for some reason, it is all on the disc in the EU version. Oh, that's weird. So, so it's worth importing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, eBay is a really good, really good um, check, place to check for import stuff um, if you don't want to pay the exorbitant shipping fees from PlayAsia. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's a nice mix of stuff there. Does anyone have anything else they'd like to bring up before we move on? I do, but I'm going to keep some of them in reverse in case I don't have anything fresh for next time. <laughs> Because <laughs> I hate when I come to the table and it's like, Chris, what have you been playing? Nothing. If, if by playing you mean painting, then everything. But no, I, I just buy video games. I don't play them. Got yeah, it. I think I've brought up everything that I plan to do, so I'm I'm good. Good stuff. All right, let's take a short break then, and then we'll get into our E3 discussion proper. So we'll see you in just a moment. Welcome back. So, for our main segment today, we wanted to have some E3 chat. So, um, we've got a big document uh, that's got a list of things we want to talk about on here that's sort of in roughly chronological order of what happened um, in terms of the conferences and stuff. So, I, th I think the easiest thing to do is just going to be to work our way down this and uh, provide any thoughts we might have along the way. So, uh, the first thing I've got written here um, is allow a bit of time for Stadia bashing because lol Stadia. <laughs> um, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I, I don't even really care because it's a piece of shit. I um, sta I've been pronouncing it Stadia, like Stadium. Yeah, because like, they probably is that because they're kind of presenting it as this kind of communal multiplayer circle jerk. That would that would be nice if we all had a great internet connection, which we don't. So yeah, 
yeah so so i I mean i i just wanted to mention this because it, it kind of it, it kind of kicked off e3 with this um and so they they demonstrated a bunch of stuff and announced a bunch of things about how this is uh, this is going to work and um there were a fair few surprises for a lot of people i think my most significant for me was the fact that they're expecting you to buy games for it um which <laughs> I, I i i'm kind of speechless it's like if if they had done this as sort of the Netflix model, then I might have been yeah. I might have been semi on board with it. But as it stands, paying money to buy a copy of a game that you don't own either digitally or physically, uh, <laughs> who thought no. this was a good idea? <laughs> Just, Google. Um, but Google have a lot of ideas that they think are good ideas, and then they just they just quietly slip them out of the back and shoot them every so often. So that well, that's uh, what worries me the most about this, right? Like uh, for those anyone who doesn't read Penny Arcade, I really strongly advise you to read Penny Arcade Stadia comic from earlier in the week because mm. it hits hits the nose on the head, the nose on that's, the head hits the nail on the head. Gonna say that's not the right words. <laughs> yes, it hits the nail on the head. In, in the last panel specifically, they're like, and I just can't possibly imagine an instance where Google decides to silently just eliminate one of their services without warning. <laughs> like, you could really invest a lot of money in Stadia. Mm. And, then yeah. one, and then one day Google is just going to be like, eh. And because yeah. you don't own anything, you know, when a console gets discontinued... Even if you've purchased digital games, assuming your hard drive is healthy, you still have those games forever. Yeah. <laughs> Theoretically. Something goes wrong with Stadia, Stadia gets discontinued, F you. Mm. Any, all, any penny you've spent is lost completely. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I don't know, it's, it doesn't seem like a good deal for the consumer at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I like I say, I don't want to dwell too much on that because uh, I just did want to acknowledge it because it kind of kicked off the whole of E3. Sure. Um, so let's let's move on to uh, some stuff that showed up in Microsoft Conference. Now, I don't think people were expecting very much from Microsoft Conference after their last couple of years showings, but uh, there were actually some really interesting stuff came up mm-hmm. in this one, I think. Um, the first one of which I wanted to mention was Fantasy Star Online 2. Let's yeah, I've been waiting. So um, excited! How how long have I been waiting? Seven years, seven years for this. <laughs> they announced this back in 2012. Yeah. Um, for those of you who yeah. don't remember, it's been seven years since Sega has said anything about uh, Fantasy Star Online 2. Yeah, yeah. So this was initially announced for Xbox One and PC uh, because I, I think Microsoft have played uh, something of a role in making this happen. Um, oh, excuse me. Uh, that's how excited I am. Um, but yeah, it, they've, they, uh, Phil Spencer has since announced that it's not um, it's not going to be exclusive to uh, Xbox and Windows. So it, it is eventually going to end up on all platforms. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen immediately. Um, I can wait. I can wait more. I've waited this yeah. long. I will wait. Yeah. Unless yeah, exactly. unless it's accounts and it's the accounts are cross platform. Yeah. Because yeah. if the accounts are cross platform, we're talking. PC and Switch together, yeah. and my heart swells with joy. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> it's it's a very welcome announcement. My my big concern with it though is that um, like, is it just too late? Like, are we even going to be getting the same content as the Japanese server five years on? Oh, it's a hundred percent too late. Um, but I'll play it yeah. for a month 
cute robot girls with lightsabers. I am so over <laughs> all over this. I, I, I respect a man who knows exactly what he wants. <laughs> it, so. If there's anything that is exactly what I want, it's Fantasy Star. I yeah. love I love PSO so much. It's crazy. When I when I got my wisdom teeth pulled at the end of college, at, before I started college, I played the GameCube version of Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2 for like 400 hours straight in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Is there... I, be- I believe it. Yeah. I was just half in a Novocaine haze. Just, I'm coming for you, Dark Falls. Like, it's the it's the best. I love I Fantasy Star. I, I, I was going to say, I bet that game is great on drugs. <laughs> There's a lot of neon going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Fantasy Star. I can't wait. There's just something about the aesthetic. Like, the anime sci-fi aesthetic. Mm. And Diablo-style loot whoring mashed up with Japanese mechanic third third person camera action. Yeah. It's just the right recipe. I mean, yeah, do I do yeah. I love all this free to play bullshit? Do I love that there's probably not going to be any kind of physical edition at all? No. But if there's anything that's going to let me excuse every hiccup I've got with this kind of stuff, it's Fantasy Star. I love <laughs> this franchise so much. Yeah. Personally, personally, I'm fine with the free-to-play because I'm averse to pretty much anything with a subscription now because I think, it, like, for me personally, it um, there's, like, that implication that you, you're making a commitment with the subscription. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, like, you you um, you subscribe to something, like, you let's say you subscribe to Final Fantasy fourteen. It means, like, you're, you're kind of committed to, okay, I'm going to be playing this game a lot this month yeah. like for the 30 days or so that i play maybe in hopes of reaching the end of the game or the end game or what have you because you know most mmos starting in the same way they have this end game where it's like you you either raid you participate in this raid with uh you know your guild or you don't really have much to do so you stop playing yeah. the um, only that was my 14 is kind I'm, of interesting sorry. because um, they do have like the the ongoing story in that, and so sort of, sort of every three months in that you're getting the new story. But yeah, you're absolutely right. In between those new episodes of story and stuff, yeah, it is either raid or grind up your ultimate weapon or whatever. So yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, it's just it's just my personal preference, and that's why I ended up quitting uh, Final Fantasy 14. But like with a free to play model, I don't have any such commitments, mm-hmm. so I can just pick it up and put it down whenever I please, and not have to worry about the money or the uh, time spent in it or yeah. whatever. I think it's a much better deal for yeah. me. Yeah. I think the thing though too that's important to remember about Fantasy Star is. A lot of people who aren't like the three of us who think a lot about game mechanics are going to throw the term MMO around a lot. Mm-hmm. But like Fantasy Star at its core is not an MMO. Yeah. Fantasy Star is third person Diablo. Mm-hmm. It is an instanced game. Yeah. So yeah. what um, does worry me about Fantasy Star being a online only free to play prospect is unlike Universe and PSO before it, when the servers die for this game, I won't be able to play it anymore. I can fire yeah. up Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2 for the GameCube right now and play couch co-op with my friends. Like yeah. that that's not going to be part of this equation. So the archivist and collector in me does bristle at this structure a little bit. Yeah. I, I wonder what they're going to do with that, because it, it does have a single-player story. 
uh like there is a bunch of story and content that you can do by yourself and there's npcs that join you and all that sort of thing so it's got the same structure as the original fantasy star online so mm-hmm. i don't know if they've got a plan in place for when when they do decide to shut the service down um but yeah that content is certainly there so there is some game to enjoy even if it doesn't work anymore online um but yeah i guess we'll have to wait and see on that one um, the the one thing I did want to say about this is a lot of people have sort of raised that raised the concern that that Jay mentioned, which is are we going to have parity with the Japanese version? Are we going to have all the content? I, and I just find myself thinking that certainly when it first comes out, it doesn't really matter all that much because there's mm-hmm. there's already a lot of stuff there to do. This is effectively going to be a new game for a lot of people. I know a lot of people have played on the Japanese servers or the the Southeast Asian server for those glorious two days when it was open in the West. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried. I, I could not. I could not get it to work at all. So I, I don't know what kind of witchcraft my friends did to, to make it work on their yeah, machines. Probably I, proxy I, servers. Horribly slow. Yeah, I, I got- horribly slow, laggy. I, I got it working and I played it for a bit and I was like, I want to play more of this and then it stopped working and I was like, no! <sighs> but uh, yeah, it'll be nice to finally be able to play this properly. Okay, right, moving on. Uh, next thing I've got on the list is uh, Minecraft Dungeons, uh, which uh, I know I think you expressed a bit of interest in the other day, Joe. Um, am, I, am I right or did I make that up? No, no, you're, you're right. Um... And I know this is going to come out like way out of left field for me, but uh, I really like the way the game mm-hmm. looks. Uh, it looks like a fun, uh, charming uh, Diablo-like for pretty much everybody. Yes. Um, and so long as they don't have some crazy auction house model where you pay real money to get things, mm-hmm. I think I would be on board with this. You know, it's kind of like a casual thing to, to play. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing I wanted to ask her that one was, is there something about that that makes it more or less appealing than Diablo for you? Because, I mean, we've got Diablo on consoles now, and it doesn't have any of the auction house bullshit in it. So, is there something about the way it looks that makes it more appealing, do you reckon? I think I just I, I just like looking at the, the whole uh, Minecraft uh, world, just the way mm-hmm. it looks. Yeah. Um, I used to watch a lot of uh, Minecraft videos, like Let's Plays, before deciding to get into content creation myself so i am pretty uh, enamored by by the world and i'd like to really i i like to just give it a shot just mm. to see how it plays really it's just really curiosity over anything else yeah. i have lots of friends who stuff like diablo is a hard sell for mm-hmm. um because of its aesthetic yeah um or but- because of its themes it's like I, i'm not gonna say they're all girls but yes i know a lot of girls who <laughs> are would are totally down for the style of game that Diablo is. Would totally be addicted to the loot, the loot, and the exploration, and like the the fun, almost arcadey action gameplay. But like they just they don't care about like Diablo's like stupid heavy metal grim dark aesthetic. I love Diablo's stupid heavy metal grim dark aesthetic, <laughs> but it's not it's a difficult sell. So like what's really appealing about Minecraft Dungeons is it could essentially be a gateway drug. Yeah. For me to like get younger, my friends' kids hooked on Diablo, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know. It's cool, more accessibility, uh, a friendly face with a classic genre. I love stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, uh, moving on. Um, is the a big surprise for me was the return of Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, now, I don't know how you two feel about this, but... You're uh, on Microsoft your own on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Microsoft Flight Simulator is something that I grew up with um, because my dad was obsessed with it. 
um like right from the atari ab version before it was a microsoft product it was by a company called sublogic um and uh the the first article that my dad wrote for a magazine was about flight simulator 2 on the atari 8-bit and he was thoroughly enamored with it ever since he insisted that it wasn't a game mind you if you called it a game he'd get very upset um because no it's a flight simulator it's called microsoft flight simulator it's it's not a game it's not a game it's a program yes absolutely um but yeah so he he sort of played a lot of flight simulator over the years and it was uh something that that i played a bit growing up as well as sort of a way of kind of bonding with my dad and understanding the things that he was into because like my dad's a total propeller head as well as as well as enjoying playing the game he is uh, very interested in uh, planes in general so um now he's retired one of the things he's doing is he's volunteering at an aircraft museum so he, he he knows his stuff about aircraft and takes people on tours around the place and that sort of thing as well so flight simulator was was an important part of my growing up and to to see it returning uh after i don't know when flight simulator x came out but um yeah to, to see it returning on xbox and pc um yeah very very interesting and the if the in-game graphics are anything like that trailer they showed which they claim it will be then yeah this is going to be pretty gobsmacking that trailer Um, was terrifying (laughs) (laughs) it's just real life like what is going on yeah yeah so but yeah um if you've not experienced flight simulator before it is the most boring game on the planet because all you do is fly around but sometimes that's nice because sometimes you just want to chill out it's the same kind of appeal element that uh some stuff like euro truck simulator has got um so yeah it's just like pure pure relaxing escapism yeah, exactly so it, it would probably be a good game for like uh let's plays and streaming as well because you could just go on a flight and you could just like chat with people while you're flying for example so that that would probably be quite fun but what were those um, videos you sent me that one time of those guys who just have like they like run the the control tower oh god yeah yeah there's um yeah there's there's a channel on youtube um i can't remember his name offhand it's something 95 but um it was a funniest yeah, shit i've seen in a long yeah, time yeah there is there is a, a way you can play flight simulator x uh multiplayer um and one of the things you can do in multiplayer is, is not fly a plane but you can man the control tower and so you can like um sort of guide people in and give them landing clearance and that sort of thing and uh this guy's put up a bunch of videos of people who come in and they're obviously just like trolling so there's this like sort of a jumbo jet comes flying straight for the control tower and that sort of thing and he's just like <laughs> talking to people who are obviously stoned and yeah it's it's pretty pretty hilarious so i want more so, of that in stunning a 4k yeah exactly exactly all right moving on next thing i've got on the list is tales of arise which is the new tales of game from, yeah yeah uh, from Bamco. Oh my gosh, that that game looks like such a visual upgrade over everything else I've seen from Tales. It's it's incredible. Yes. Can't wait. Yes. Yes, and um, we've had uh, actually on, on t- today on the at the time of recording, we've had a few more details revealed about some of the characters and the voice actors. Um, so the two main characters in there, we've got this um, sort of badass knight-looking dude called Alfin, apparently. Next. Uh, and then we've got a pink-haired waifu um called shion who's lovely oh there you yeah. go uh so she is apparently from the planet rena and she is cursed by thorns that cause intense pain to anyone she touches so bad luck um she joins forces with alfin for a hidden purpose and battles in rebellion against her own people of rena so the whole concept from what i can make out is that these two these two uh, main characters they're they're sort of from opposite sides and they're forced to work together 
Um, and so there's obviously going to be a lot of um, a lot of sort of tension in that regard there. So um, oh God, they're totally not going to fall in love, though. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But yeah, she's uh, she's pretty cute. So awesome. Um, so some concerns and some things I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. So there's been lots of interviews and stuff talking about how this game is very much being approached as a reboot of Tales. Like, Mm -hmm. trying to create a new immersive experience and to create a game that's not bogged down by Tales stuff so that new people can get into Tales. Mm -hmm. And that's great, and I can't wait to see what comes of it. But part of me is also a little scared that these are going to be the only characters. Um, Because the combat looks radically different. And it it almost looks like more of a third-person RPG. It doesn't look yeah. like it doesn't look like the combat's going to get instanced and gated off. So okay. I'm I'm really worried that we're not going to get larger parties, and that doesn't necessarily worry me from a mechanical perspective. I'm really excited about this new stuff, but ever since Tales of Symphonia, what Tales has meant to me is a really large and endearing cast of characters and those adorable skits. Yes. So yes. like if if. If we go, don't get a big party with like lots of weirdos being endearing, like it's just not gonna feel like tales to me. <laughs> yeah. That, that being said, this game looks great. I just don't know if it's gonna be a great tales game. If they, yeah, if that makes sense. I'm yeah, just I, so wild. I, I right think I, I think one of the essential ingredients in a good tales game is a uh, is is a great cast of characters with skits and uh they're all a bunch of misfits they all kind of uh bring out each other's personalities so i think that's that's really really important to have um so we i don't really know what that's going to look like tales as a series has been kind of like hit or miss lately um i wasn't too keen on zisteria but uh, i don't think anybody i think Hmm. Yeah, it was just uh, it. The story didn't work for me at all. I just it just kind of lost me halfway through. Um, it, it seemed like there were things that like they forgot about or they just didn't care about, and they just kind of threw their hands up. It's like, well, gotta finish the game somehow. Yeah, I mean, so. to be fair, Zestiria was the first Tales game on the new hardware, mm-hmm. so there was right. a lot of growing pains they were experiencing, and I think that's really kind of a classic evolution when new hardware comes about right so like brazaria was very well thought of mm-hmm. uh, very la- very well regarded and i think that's kind of the classic evolution we see with a lot of franchises is the first game on new hardware is really them getting their bearings learning to program for the new hardware trying to get a feel for what this new technology can bring to the series. Then when you get a second one, they kind of just knock it out of the park because they've already ironed all those kinks out and now they can focus on the game, the narrative, the structure, knowing what they can do fully. So I I, I appreciate Zestiria for what it is. It's just not as solid a game as it could be. But that being said, Berseria is cool as hell. Mm -hmm. Velvet. Yeah, well, <clears throat> the, the end. <laughs> Why are Tails waifus so premium? <laughs> they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Because they're written that way yes. and, and designed that yeah. way. So. Like, even going back yeah. to the Tales of Destiny, freaking Rudy was amazing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Farah in, in Tales of Eternia. 
Yeah. Are you Google? <laughs> Are you Googling Farah? I might be like, instantly. <laughs> oh God. I, I had a persistent troll for a little while who got very angry every time I said nice things about Mila Maxwell. But how you could know, you how could you not love Mila? I don't know. I don't understand it really, but uh yeah. Anyway. She's such a strong, like powerful, like no nonsense, but like heart of gold, like she's such a well developed character from like any yeah. narrative perspective. Yeah. Like not this isn't just me speaking as an otaku. This is me speaking uh, of as a man with a master's degree who <laughs> analyzes narratives <laughs> of like literature and like film. Like yeah. Mila is an amazing nuanced character. Yeah, she's so lovable. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, let's continue on. So next thing I've got on the list then is uh, Elden Ring, which is from Software's next game and is apparently a collaboration between uh, Miyazaki and George R. R. Martin. Um, I haven't actually looked up a lot of information about this yet. Have, have you guys looked much of this up yet? There really isn't anything besides the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't have a lot to go on besides speculation. People are saying, "Oh, this is just going to be uh, Game of Thrones Souls." Well, we don't really know that. Uh -huh. I mean, it's it's an original IP. It could be. Uh, I mean, certainly it's it's going to be some kind of dark fantasy uh, thing. Maybe there will be politics involved. Maybe there won't be. Um, it's it's really too early to say much of anything at this point. Yeah, it looks yeah. cool though. The trailers neat. The designs are freaky. Um, there's a very distinct, almost tribal aesthetic going on with a lot of the armors and stuff. There's kind of a mm. biological look with a lot of, like, curvature, which yeah. is not Souls, right? Souls has a very specific, classic medieval aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it looks like this Elden Ring thing might be going for something a little weirder, which would be very welcome to me. Um, there's this, the character that, they kind of show in all the still the still screenshots, then all the articles kind of has that like beaked helmet with that yeah. kind of alien curvature to it. And in the cinematic, when they when they reel out from their head a bit, you can see that they don't have a right arm, and mm. then they, and then they attach an arm, oh, cool. like like a mechanical arm to their to their body. Mm. So like. You know, we could sit here and theorize all day if, if that might have mechanical implications for the game, but there's some really interesting just thematic visual elements going on in that trailer that has me excited for kind of a, a world that's a little more bizarre. Because I love Souls, but cool, I've played in like dark medieval European inspired gothic enough mm. now. Like, let's see some other cool shit. Because From can make weird shit. Like... Um, the Otogi games, very specifically, are these beautiful explorations of classic Japanese folklore, but with this very <laughs> strange, organic, haunted aesthetic that I've really been hoping they would return to in the near future. And some of the armor designs in the Elden Ring trailer are very reminiscent of Otogi. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, one to keep an eye on then, definitely. Yeah, so... Not a lot to, uh, not a lot that we know about that. It, it is going to be an action RPG from the sound of things, but that that is uh, all we all we know at the minute. I think, aside from the trailer, we hope that it turns out well. Yeah, well, I, I mean, they've got a pretty good track record at the minute, so yeah, I'll be I'd be surprised if it's not uh, a good time. 
whether or not uh, whether or not you know it <laughs> now that now that souls is popular or whatever like from software has actually been making very good games for a very long time not yes. just in the past decade heads up yes <laughs> and also let's let's not forget that they also made uh, the adventures of cookies and cream on playstation 2 yes they did uh, which is about as far from dark souls as you can get i i, I love that i love it brilliant <laughs> anyway moving on um last thing i wanted to mention from the microsoft conference is just the uh just to acknowledge that xbox project scarlet is coming holiday 2020 um whatever this means so um they are claiming that this will have backwards compatibility with all of the previous xbox consoles um but my my issue with that is that their backwards compatibility isn't really backwards compatibility. It's just simulation. Yeah, you can. You, yeah, it's just you. You can download a copy of this game that works on your new console. It's not a case of put the disc in and it works. So, um, yeah. So that's a technicality. Yeah. Um, so aside from that, I, I I don't really know what to think about this because, I mean, Xbox One is still sort of a bit of a whipping boy for a lot of people in terms of in terms of its selection of games and exclusives and so on um but at the same time <laughs> yeah at the same time there's a lot of people who do like it there's a lot of people who do like stuff like the forza games and halo and all that sort of thing uh, so i mean there is a market there but it caters I mean, to its demographic fine there's nothing wrong yeah. with the xbox one it's just not for you and me <laughs> yeah 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 i i went i went into this conference thinking okay i'm not gonna bash microsoft i'm not gonna make fun of them the, the past several years you know they, they've had the same problem that they they've always have which is they have games most of them are games you can get in other yeah. places so they can sell the games but they can't sell the platform yeah. They're not doing a very good job at selling the platform. However, that doesn't mean it's a bad platform. It has some really good things going yeah. for it. Um, just not the not so much the kind of games that we're into, yeah. like you said. I like Halo. I like Gears. They're just not console sellers for me. Mm-hmm. You know that yeah. that's really what it what it wraps up to. I yeah. like I like Gears of War a lot, actually. I'm very excited that people can fly are making a new game because Gears Judgment was a really cool game. Mm-hmm. Like, so, but I just, they're just not console sellers for me yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen a fair few people being quite positive about the, the game pass stuff as well. And I mean, it's, it's not something I'm hugely interested in because I, I, again, I don't really want a subscription service for my games, but, um, some people have sort of pointed out that this is going to be a good way to sort of try stuff out that you might not otherwise think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you like it, you could then go and buy a more permanent copy of that if you wanted to. Um, there's also talk of sort of doing that multi-platform. I know there's there's been several discussions of it potentially happening on Switch as well as on uh, PC and Xbox. Like yeah. At the minute, so I mean, there's some potentially interesting stuff going on there. I think the 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 most important thing to sort of take from Microsoft at the minute is that I think they've learned a lot from this last console generation, and I think they're quite willing to try new things to try and make things work a bit better for whatever comes next. I agree. Um, I feel like now they've kind of shifted into more of a co- uh, much more of a cooperative uh, relationship yes. than a competitive one, um, especially with Nintendo and and I guess to some extent with Sony. But we don't really know what that looks like yet. Um, as far as this next console goes, from a technical standpoint, it sounds you know pretty impressive. Like, can they deliver mm-hmm. on it? Um, I don't know if that matters so much as it 
you know, having the yeah. games matters. Yeah. The only reason people invest in this generation is because of exclusives. Mm-hmm. And now that we're kind of on the tail end of it, games that were formerly exclusive, like, let's say on Sony's console, like Yakuza, well, now you can play it on Steam. So for this next generation, it, it exclusivity is going to be a, a much harder sell. It doesn't matter how good your specs are. Um, and Nintendo, I would say, is doing pretty well with the Switch. <laughs> so it's not as if um, it, it's not as if you know having the strongest hardware is what makes you come out ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really the content and the experience that's going to win at the end of the day. I don't have a lot of respect for people who are tech heads in in the game community. It's mm-hmm. it's software that rules the day for me always. So I'm I'm platform agnostic. I go where the games are. I've got a 360 because it's full of games I want to play. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't. I don't have an Xbox One because it's not. It's it's that mm. simple. Yeah, same here. Same here. All right, moving on. Um, it, well, before we move on, was there anything else from Microsoft that either of you wanted to bring up? No, I mean I didn't even watch it. So <laughs> no, there was um, there was uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, Kakarot. So oh, that um, looks great. Right. So now we're gonna get a uh, a action RPG adaptation of the DBZ series, whereas mm-hmm. previously we only got that through like fighting games like Budokai or Xenoverse, which was eh, not too great. But now it seems like it's gonna be like a more fleshed out, in depth uh, story experience. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how how that's gonna turn out. Mm. And this is CyberConnect too, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. They make wonderful games. Hmm. So that's the second. Th- that is the second time that Microsoft has uh, revealed a, a DBZ game to us. First time being uh, Fighter Z. Hmm. Um, it's been interesting because, like, it, it feels like they've kind of shouldered the burden of presenting a lot of these things, where uh, you know Sony's just absent and they can't. Th- they didn't have anything ready this time, so yeah. it's we will never know why Sony wasn't at E3 this year. Mm-hmm. There, um, there, there's some shit brewing. Yeah. My, my best guess is that they just don't have anything ready. Like, they it don't have be. new hardware ready. We're, we're getting ready for a new console cycle. So I think yeah. it has to do with having new hardware ready. Um, they're, they're big titles for, uh, you know, the last E3, which I don't really think they had a very good E3 last time. No, it but, was terrible um, last year. It was a lot of filler. There wasn't really a lot of content yeah, at all. It, I think it was pretty bad. But I think those titles that they showed are still well into development. They're probably busy with them, so they probably just didn't have anything ready this time. That's that's what I think. So I say it, good on them for not making a mess of it, then. If yeah, they knew right. they couldn't make a good showing, they did the right thing. Yeah. Um, so I think even though their whole like state of play thing hasn't worked out well so far, in the end it's going to be better for them because it allows them to be more flexible. So it's like, okay, we're ready to show things now on this date. We're going to show you today, you know, rather than being stuck, you know, with an E3 deadline that they can't make. They can do like a direct format where they can show multiple times a year to keep that kind of hype going. So I think that really is the best. Nintendo's got it all figured out. Yeah. I uh, I saw... I recently... Act, you know, I use the Shut Up app on Firefox. Have you ever oh. used the, the Shut Up I, app? Yeah, I use it on Chrome. It's wonderful. Yeah. But I've so, never heard of it. <laughs> it, it. It turns off the comments sections on websites. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I had recently had an issue with uh, Firefox where I had to reinstall it with all my apps gone, and I forgot to re-download ShutUp. So I was... I forget what I where, what site I was on, but I was... Oh, I think it was YouTube, actually. And I was watching a video, and it was someone complaining about limited run games, I think, calling them just, like, greedy bastards or something. And it was, like... And it was some, like, you know, kids probably, like, 14, right? Com- and the comment was, like, E3 is a place for creative people to show their creativity, not a place for greedy money grubbers. And it's like, actually, no, you're an idiot. E3 was create. E3 is an industry event that was created for electronics vendors to secure investors by showing the slate of their newest titles. It is not a place for creative people to show their masterworks. It's a, it's about money. E3 is about money and investment. So, so like, when people aren't afraid to make wise business decisions at E3 like Sony did, like my, I like tip my hat to them because like if you've got nothing to show, yeah, don't go. <laughs> yeah, 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 makes sense. All right, uh, let's move on a bit then. So uh, I've only got one thing written down from Bethesda's conference, uh, as you is- should. Yeah, which is uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, which, again, we don't know a huge amount about yet, I don't think. Um, but the uh, probably the m- most noteworthy thing about it is the fact that it's developed by Shinji Mikami's apprentice uh, named Ikumi Nakamura, who the whole internet promptly fell in love with after her uh, appearance on stage. Because, she was adorable. Yeah, there we go. Uh, apparently, you're not allowed to say that Asian women are adorable, but, you know, she's adorable. I so. say women of any... <laughs> this this is not a race thing (laughs) people are adorable she she was adorable though because like she was so happy about her game and that's exactly how you should be um but yeah this um ikumi nakamura she was a background designer on akami uh she was a concept artist for bayonetta and she had quite a prominent role on the evil within as well she designed quite a lot of the monsters in that yeah Uh, so so she's wonderful in other words so she's got some serious creative chops on her um and uh yeah this is going to be uh an interesting one to keep an eye on i think so um all we know about it so far is that it's an action adventure game it's based around strange disappearances in tokyo uh, and a strange new evil that is infecting the city uh you have mysterious spectral abilities and there's uh, sort of occult elements conspiracy theories and urban legends so yeah um very intriguing prospect certainly um and if they sort of have a, a, a kind of convincing virtual tokyo to explore in there that's going to be a lot of fun i think so but as i say this is one that we don't know a huge amount about yet so we'll be keeping an eye on it definitely definitely all right uh moving on a few miscellaneous things that sort of cropped up in between the main conferences um so first one i've got is chris tales uh which was um something that kind of sprung up out of nowhere uh but it's re- uh, it's described as a love letter to classic jrpgs and it's coming to ps4 xbox one switch and pc and there's a demo available now um i wasn't immediately sold on this uh due to the art style but then i saw it moving and um <laughs> i got an immediate erection so uh, <laughs> this is a looker this one's a looker yeah so um i mean it yeah, the, the the thing that kind of did it for me was that it has the look of a sort of 2d game and then partway through the trailer they showed that no it's actually three-dimensional and it looks like that um and it's got this glorious animation to it it's 
yeah it's got a very distinctive atmosphere of its own so it's not trying to be like something else it's not trying to trying to capture the feeling of something else it, it describes itself as a love, love letter to classic jrpgs but it's not trying to be one of those old jrpgs it's very much got its own identity from the look of things so the big thing about this one is that uh there's a time manipulation is, is central to the game so in certain points which they show in the videos that have been released past present and future all exist on the screen at the same time mm -hmm. so there's you're you're actually running there's scenes where the woman is running from left to right and there's just it's like split screen into three sections the left hand side is the past the middle side is the future and the middle side the middle is present and the right hand side is future so if she's running left to right you'll see coming up you're about to approach an old woman when you want by the time you reach her because your default in the center of the screen she's a young woman of like 30 and then when she's behind you in the left section of the screen she's a child right so like you're seeing the world and these impacts on the world and the way the world changes in real time on the screen as you explore like what mm -hmm. the hell is going on <laughs> yeah yeah um have you, have you tried the demo yet for this i, I have not have you mm. no not yet i was uh, i was just hoping that one of us might have something to say no. about what the demo had to offer but uh, no I, I haven't checked that out yet but um, i'm definitely going to for sure all right, uh, continuing on, just a quickie, not a lot to say about this, but uh, Puzzle & Dragons is coming to Switch, uh, which is good because Puzzle & Dragons is great, and any opportunity to play Puzzle & Dragons that doesn't involve having to play it as a gacha game is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the 3DS version was good. Uh, this is this is a, a new version rather than the port of the 3DS version, I think, from the look of things. Um, yeah, I think it's a new game. Yeah, so that's cool. Um yeah, should we talk a little bit about Final Fantasy VII Remake? Yeah, because the only Project Scarlet I'm interested in... <laughs> how's that for a transition? It's, <laughs> it's freaking Scarlet in 4K. But she's, she, she's such an unlikable character, though. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know my taste in women, Joe. <laughs> I, guess, I guess not. If you are watching an anime or playing a JRPG and there is a nasty bitch, <laughs> this is my favorite character. Mm -hmm. all right fair enough she's gonna have her hair up tight she's gonna be in a pencil skirt and she is gonna be mean as shit and i'm gonna love her <laughs> uh yeah um so yeah the the main things to say about this aside from chris loves scarlet and wants her to step on him probably um <laughs> is that um <laughs> They've sort of confirmed a few details about how the whole remake project as a whole is going to work. So the first game that we're getting um, is going to take us up to the uh, the end of the Midgar sequence. So um, the first sort of five to ten hours or so of, of the original game. Um, but the intention is to kind of expand it. Um, and take um, take a much closer look at the characters that are involved in it. So um, there was... Um, Yoshinori Kitase, he, he did uh, quite a long blog post about the intentions behind all this. So um, I'm just going to pick out a few sort of key things that he said here. So he said that for the original core members of the development team, simply recreating the original game with improved graphics wasn't enough to get us invested and excited about remaking 7. To return, we wanted to go beyond the original, telling a deeper story and providing a modern gaming experience. We want to go above and beyond what is expected of a remake. So... Um, 
I mean, we already knew this, but it's it's not just like a shot-for-shot shot remake with with better graphics and so on. We've got um, uh, different mechanics. We've got the sort of full 3D exploration. Um, but the uh, sort of the, the key thing he wanted to highlight here is that the kind of the, the depth and the interesting cultures and the different characters who populate Midgar. So... Um, yeah, so this this first episode is going to provide a lot more depth to what was just maybe incidental NPCs in the original game. So um, they're emphasizing the um, sort of character storytelling using motion capture, facial capture, voice acting, and performance. Um, so yeah, there's there's going to be some some interesting stuff there. Um, he's also highlighted the fact that the gameplay is isn't going to be just a straight. Um, sort of port of final fantasy 15's battle system so he describes it as a classic take uh, a new take on classic concepts with an accessible evolution of the active time battle system giving you greater action with tactical control so how that's going to manifest itself is um you will have access to uh control the strategic decisions of the other party members besides the one you're directly controlling um or you can leave them to ai if you prefer you can switch between characters um yeah, it, it, it's it's looking pretty cool. I, I know some people yeah. are going to bounce off it because it's not just the just Final Fantasy VII again. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan so far. It looks so good. I think <laughs> I think that's fine. Um, I, I would consider, and, and I'm someone who loves Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. I would definitely consider it um, certainly one of the easier entries in the uh, Final Fantasy series. I mean, they're not all that difficult, but. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of thought. Complex. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, you don't have to put a lot of thought into battles. Uh, you can basically get by on like two materia, maybe ice or bolt. Certainly bolt. There's a lot of enemies weak to bolt, from what I remember. So the addition of a more dynamic uh, combat system that focuses on strategy is is a really really welcome change for me. Um, so it seems like they're just like going all out with this. Like mm-hmm. there's no no sense of limitations or anything. We're gonna get the full entire Final Fantasy VII experience. Um, yeah, that inc- I guess that includes things that were that were cut out or needed to be fleshed out more. Um, and I know it was like difficult to understand, partially because uh, you know it was a really notoriously bad translation. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy are sick. And, and everything, oh, but um, I had to, it was like one of those games I had to play like twice or three times to like really get what was going on. I was like, oh okay, there's that hidden Shinra mansion scene which really fleshes out why Cloud is the way he is, and they mm. they touch on that a lot more in Crisis Core. But it, I, I'm looking forward to a Final Fantasy seven that that makes more sense. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. And I'm just looking forward to watching the life fade from Aerith's eyes in stunning oh, 4K. Stop! That's you're, you're terrible. <laughs> uh, without dwelling on that too much, should we talk a little bit about Tifa? We can talk. All, we can talk all you want about Tifa, brother. <laughs> Tifa, Tifa was always in my party. I never. She never left my side. Mm-hmm. No. What do you want me to say about her? Well, playable. I, I... Playable. Yes. Kung Fu Queen. I'm so excited. She looks yes. so fun to play as. Mm-hmm. Can we also can we also make a point of highlighting that adding thigh highs to her is one of the best decisions anyone has ever made about anything? It's they made so many good decisions. 
when the, the minute she stepped on screen, I was like, they didn't screw her up! I was, like, screaming. <laughs> no, every, everyone looks great. Uh, even Cloud. Cloud looks a lot better than he did last time. He looks more more human. Like, his eyes yeah. aren't, like, bugging out like last time. Like, Ugh! you know. He I looks... Just... It, it's sort of like Uncanny Valley, almost. It's, like, it, it's almost scary to think about how, how human these characters are getting now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, I can't wait to see everybody. This re- the revelation that everybody is gonna be playable. Yeah, like Red Thirteen, Vincent, Yuffie, like what? Like every <laughs> like I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. The th- the thing I find hilarious about this is that the game for this j- looks better than you remember the Final Fantasy movie. I mean, most people. Yes, Advent Children. It, yeah, they've no, come no, no, a long no, 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 no. The one before that. The one before that. Oh, the the one, the one that ruined what's his name's career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sp- Spirits within. Spirits when, within. Yeah. When that came out, it, it sort of there was a lot of emphasis on look how realistic these characters are. They're amazing. I like this game looks better than that movie. <laughs> Ab- absolutely, I, no question about that. Yeah. yeah, CG does not age well. It's one of the reasons I always prefer 2D games, because 3D yeah. doesn't age well. Just imagine, in another 15 years, if we're not dead, we're going to think this game looks like shit. We're going to be like, man, <laughs> right. FF7 Remake really didn't age well. You can't <laughs> you can't see the pores on Tifa's forehead. This is ridiculous. <laughs> well, you know, you know I, I will always like that kind of, like, Lego... I mean, they look like Legos in the original, but there's something really charming about that. You know? Oh, I okay. love it. I um, love it. And, what, what, you know, as much as I would have liked them to stick with that whole anime aesthetic, I'm not disappointed because this, this is Square doing what they do best, which is mm-hmm. making a, making us uh, really, really impressed with the visuals. Like, it's yeah. it's eye candy. It's, it's, it's amazing to look at. Yeah. This may be Final Fantasy 16. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Like, if we never got Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 17, like, we could just be locked into this for a while. Mm-hmm. I, agree, I agree with that. They've clearly spent a ungodly amount of money and who knows how much time on this. So I think they, this is... I wouldn't say it's a break game for them, but certainly they absolutely want this to do well. Yeah, um, and all signs are pointing to it doing well because I, I hear the pre-orders for this, both this <laughs> and... Um, Cyberpunk 2077 are are pretty pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be honest here. If we never got a Final Fantasy 16 and we just got this, would anyone really be that disappointed because the mainstream press, their fundamental criticism of every Final Fantasy that's come out since 7 has just been it's not 7, so I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So, so really, this is just giving the public what they want. <laughs> You want seven? You can have fifteen games of seven. Yeah, I don't know. You, if you ask any anybody what their Final Fantasy seven, I mean, what their favorite Final Fantasy game is, um, you're going to get a different answer with every person. Oh yeah, definitely. That's that, um, yeah, that's one yeah. of the things I love. Yeah. That's that's a debate as as old as time, really. Mm-hmm. Amongst amongst people who are hardcore. But yeah. like if if you walk up in if you walk up to like a more casual gamer or someone in the games press who isn't an RPG head and ask them what's your favorite RPG not even what's your favorite Final Fantasy like that part of the, part of the biggest issue with people who aren't RPG mechanics 
aficionados critiquing RPGs is they just fundamentally compare everything to FF7 because that's yeah. their comfort right. zone. Right, because Final Fantasy is, uh, for better or worse, a, a gateway series. Yeah. It, it yeah. either gets you into other JRPGs or it doesn't. Yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah. they're not Final Fantasy. Yes. Um, right. What's the submarine minigame going to be like in 4K? I love that submarine <laughs> minigame. <laughs> yeah. I want it oh. all. I want every little bit. Hmm. Well, it sounds like you're going to get that over the course of God knows how many games at this point. We're going to be 100 when this is over. <laughs> you know that. Because they straight up said, they straight up said this week that they expect the other episodes to take as long as this one did. Yeah, although the, the other thing that um, uh, that he said in his statement is that they, they've learned a lot from this first game and that they reckon that the, the second game onwards is going to be a bit more efficient to develop. So that either means that it's going to come out more quickly or they're going to be able to put more stuff in it. Yeah, so. yeah, but I mean, this is going to cross console generations. Oh yeah, definitely. At the rate definitely. Squaresoft makes games, <laughs> episode two is going to be on the PS5. Yeah. I mean that's fine even if it is because you know they'll they'll still have the version for the PS4. That's that's kind of how these inter uh, generational console releases work because not everyone is going to be ready to buy a PS5 when it comes out. They're going to want to hang on to their yeah. PS4s for whatever reason. Um, so I think I think it'll be all right either way. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not complaining, but I do have friends who are. Yeah, I do I do have friends who are. You know, the only RPG they buy is Final Fantasy. They, they they don't buy consoles often. They don't adopt hardware immediately. So, like, I, I do have friends who are legitimately concerned that the wait in between each episode is going to be too long, that it's going to cross console generations and essentially force them to buy hardware they're not interested in buying. Like, mm-hmm. like these are... I'm not saying these are valid concerns. They're certainly not my concerns, but these right. are things I'm hearing amongst people who are less hardcore than I. I was going to say, if if you want more RPGs, I've got literally a thousand articles on my website that gives you some good suggestions on some things you might want to try. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like if you if yeah if you're friends with me, you should never be short on RPGs because not only will I recommend them to you, I will invite you over to my home, ask you about your likes and dislikes, custom tailor a recommendation to you, and then let you borrow my copy. <laughs> but, but that's 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 a fight for a different day. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy is in quite a good place at the minute because the the new expansion for uh, fourteen is coming out soon, and it sounds like that's going to do some really interesting narrative stuff. Um, well, with- what's his name said they're treating this more of a sequel than an expansion. Uh, yeah, they, I mean they do, they do that every time. They did that with Heaven's Ward and Stormblood as well. But the the interesting thing about this one is that there's like a strong emphasis on going to different worlds and different dimensions. So sort of at various points in 14 storyline, there's been the idea of the Warriors of Darkness, who are your counterparts from another world, and talking about um, this world called the First and different things. And so what a lot of people are expecting to happen is something that they've been thinking about for a very long time with 14, which is. 14 acting as kind of a sort of um a a sort of nexus between all the other final fantasy worlds 
and it looks like that's something that's probably going to happen starting with Shadowbringers. so very interested to see where that's going i'm, I'm not actively playing it at the minute but at some point i will be uh, jumping back on that because i'm i'm going to be doing the uh, a final fantasy marathon series on youtube starting when i get back from holiday at the start of july so um yeah 14 will be involved in that at some point uh so i'm looking forward to that all right uh, as tempting as it is to talk about final fantasy for the rest of eternity uh let's move on um the the next thing i've got on our list here is the surprise announcement by konami that they're doing a pc engine mini yeah that came out of nowhere i didn't even know they had the rights to that yeah no it's this this came out of nowhere um do you guys yeah, need the history lesson of why this is konami <laughs> I, I'm actually interested, so yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, okay so the PC Engine slash Turbo Graphics slash Core Graphics slash whatever you're going to call it, um, what the hardware was manufactured by NEC, mm-hmm. which is a hardware manufacturer, a computer manufacturer. But in terms of system architecture, the PC Engine was Hudson's system. Yeah. Okay, so that's why all the games for the PC Engine are on Hue cards. H-U-C-E, the H-U is for Hudson. Yeah. So Konami took bought all of Hudson. Oh right. Oh Kon- yeah. I Konami that. Konami owns all of Hudson. So by and large, they also own the the PC engine. Yeah. Right. Because, that, because it's technically Hudson's hardware. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Holler at your boy. I love me some. <laughs> I love my, I love me some PC engine. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this because PC Engine is not a system I know a huge amount about. So, this is going to be a great way to kind of get started with getting to know some of these games. I mean, I know I can just download a bunch of ROMs, and indeed, I have downloaded a bunch of ROMs. Shh, don't tell anyone. Um, but, um, yeah, this this is a good way to have a sort of curated selection of kind of the best of PC Engine. And... Um, they haven't announced all the games yet, but there's certainly the stuff that they have announced already is looking pretty good so we've got r-type on there i know the pc engine version of r-type is very well regarded uh we've got ease book one and two um again the pc engine version of those is uh very well regarded um it's going to be interesting to go back to those after playing the chronicles version which i liked very much indeed um so sort of taking uh, a generational step back and see how that's that's handled will be interesting uh we've got new adventure island um which um is is a cool series that i don't know a lot about at the minute uh, we've got dungeon explorer which is a game i have played a fair bit and i quite like um and then alien crush which is is that the pinball game oh yeah is it a pinball game yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a very very good pinball game mm-hmm. the yeah. naxat's crush pinball series is far and away the best pinball games pretty mm. much ever ever made D- devil's crush and alien crush and then there's one on the super nintendo as well jackie crush um they're the best pretty much any japanese developed pinball software you play is heavily inspired by these games yeah yeah so so these games kind of sort of established the idea of video pinball didn't they which was sort of pinball a pinball game that was doing stuff that a an actual pinball table wouldn't be able to do so it's having yes. stuff like enemies in there and sort of multiple play fields and that sort of thing so yeah um that's cool um there's going to be a different selection of games on each of the three different versions so there's there's a japanese version which is based on the pc engine there's the u.s version which is based on the turbo graphics 16 and then there's the european version which is based on the core graphics um again i i, I don't I don't know the system super well, so I'm 
not entirely sure what happened when i i i was convinced that we didn't get the pc engine over here at all and i'm not entirely sure if we did or not or if it was particularly widespread but uh there seems to be um the core graphics and the turbo graphics 16 model seem to have the same games at the moment uh, that's been announced and japan has a few different ones so um japan i think the noteworthy thing that japan has had confirmed that we haven't yet is rondo of blood uh, yeah which is huge yeah um so i i don't know if we'll get that over here i would have thought they would have announced that already if we were going to get that here but they could be keeping that as a surprise you never know um so the minute the japanese one has uh superstar soldier um oh god it's instantly best of yeah uh he's one and two again dungeon explorer again um is that a bonk game that looks like bonk is it uh, pc it, dungeon that's a bon- in japan yes, bonk yes. is P- pc dungeon yeah um and then uh something with a bruce lee looking dude on the front I, uh, I, I can't read those kanji <laughs> my, my, my japanese reading skill is limited to the kana at the minute so i it's just called the something um and oh. then there's a bruce lee looking dude at the minute uh, and it's volume one if that helps <laughs> there's, there, there, there's a bunch of like vigilante style games on on the turbo they're just kind of like side scrolling beat em up oh, it's, kung, it's, kung fu it's, man it's yeah it's it's the kung fu uh no, so i think okay. i think that's china warrior um, oh yeah okay yeah china warrior that makes yeah. sense that game yeah. is not particularly good, but it is noteworthy for having massive sprites. Yes, yes. Um, so what's really interesting about this is they're not making a clear division between uh, PC Engine and PC Engine CD games. Yeah, yeah. So that Eastbook 1 and 2 is a CD game, as mm-hmm. is Rondo of Blood. Yeah. So they're not. They're also including CD games, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, which means for the American version, we might get some really cool RPGs because there's some really interesting stuff on the Turbo CD specifically RPG-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, a lot of cool stuff that was localized by Working Designs back in yes. the day. Yes. Um, uh, I'm thinking of, co- of the Cosmic Fantasy series. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love if we got a Valis game on this thing the valis series is really really cool they're not they're side scrollers they're not rpgs but really cool anime aesthetic um classic 90s waifus with neon pink (laughs) hair and bikini armor yeah is valis the series where like the the last installment was actually an era gay yes yeah Yeah, it turned into yeah (laughs) it just kind of devolved into that Give the, give the people what they want yeah yeah it's like you've stuck with this for this long here have some porn nice all right. Um, okay. So, PC Engine um, coming. Is there a date on this? I don't think there is. Is there? Just coming soon. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. All right. Next thing I've got on our list is some stuff from Limited Runs Conference. So, they announced a bunch of stuff um, that's that's looking cool. So, uh, first of all, I think we can we can just have a, a brief a brief bit of squeeing over the fact that both Freedom Planet and Blaster Master Zero are getting physical releases. Yeah, it's uh, a dream. It's a dream come true. <laughs> I believe I believe my initial reaction to Freedom Planet was for me to text you in all caps. I'm going to marry Carol, and then backtrack, <laughs> and then and then, wow. and then and then backtrack it to. I mean, I'm going to buy this game. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Freedom Planet. Yeah, it is. It is a great Sonic game. <laughs> it's the best Sonic game that was on the Saturn. Yes. <laughs> that's how i always describe freedom planet to people it's the 32-bit sonic game that you never got yeah yeah so yeah i've been holding out for a physical release of this for ages so yeah i'm definitely going to pick this up 
uh, I do have the PC version, but I, I haven't bought yeah. any of the console versions just because I was hoping that this would happen, and it finally has. So, and, uh, and that's yeah, that's this coming Friday. Yes, yes. So twenty first, I think, isn't it? Yes, yeah, twenty first of it, June, and it's going to be a two week open pre order. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's probably going to be some kind of chaotic, beautiful limited edition that will be timed. Yes. Um, yeah. And I don't know if I'll be able to resist it. I've resisted all of Limited Run's massive collector's editions up to this point, but I, I really, truly believe that Freedom Planet's soundtrack is the best video game soundtrack in the past 10 years. Yeah. Oh, and, it is phenomenal. And if there is a printed physical copy of the complete soundtrack along with a collector's edition, I might have to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so those are coming up. Uh, other stuff that jumped out at me, um, there is uh, Hover Revolt of Gamers, which has a dumbass name but looks really cool. Um, I, 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 I was vaguely aware of this game beforehand, but I hadn't really seen what it was all about. And it looks like a really cool kind of Jet Set Radio future tribute. I have um, it on Steam, but I've never played it. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing that happens. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know a huge amount about this, but it looks like a sort of open world um, kind of skating game. So there's sort of Tony Hawk style trick systems and stuff in there, but it also looks like there's missions and stuff to do as well. So um, that's that's kind of why it reminds me of Jet Set Radio Future in particular, because that kind of combined the extreme sports aspect with a more a structure a bit more like a 3D platformer. Um, so yeah, this could potentially be very interesting, uh, and they're, they're they're doing a physical pressing of that. There's um, also multiplayer, which is cool. Oh, yes. Like, if yes, you ever it, wanted Jet Set Radio with multiplayer, there's, like, a competitive sports game in it as yes. part of the game that you can play. Yes, and it, it, it sounds like it's sort of drop-in, drop-out as well, so you can kind of basically open your game up to other players and, and they can drop in and help you out with missions and stuff, so that's quite a, quite a cool implementation of that uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, Blazing Chrome looked lovely. Um, this was um, a, a, a sort of Contra-style game from the guys who did Onikan and Odalus, which were two sort of... Um, how would you describe them? They're, they're sort of... Those ones just like any NES yeah. tributes. Like they're just really... They're modern side-scrollers that were made yeah. very specifically to emulate the look and feel of 8-bit NES games. Oniken very closely hewing toward Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. Um, Odalis, um, more of a combination of Castlevania with a bit of Euro, um, Euro larger-level exploratory games. Yes, yes. I was, I was going to say Blazing Chrome as well seems to have a bit of Euro in there as well because there was certain stuff with sort of the shooting mechanics that look very Turrican-esque. Yeah, um, with the sort of the multi-directional shooting and stuff. So yeah, this 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 looks cool though. Um, moving on, we had uh, a couple of Sega CD uh, classics in inverted commas. <laughs> so we <laughs> we have uh, we have anniversary editions of both Corpse Killer and uh, what's the other one called? I forgot. Double Switch. Double Switch. Um, yeah. So there there are versions of those coming to PS4 and Switch as well. Um, like I wrote in our notes here, I think it's it, it's good that they're making these games more accessible because I mean they're part of gaming history. But do, but do people really want these? Corpse um, Killer is a blight on the earth, <laughs> and if I could if I could round up every copy of Corpse Killer and just put it in a barrel and put some kind of corrosive substance on it and just turn it into a sludge, yeah. I would. 
This game is the worst of the worst. <laughs> that being said, might be fun to play it now with substances in my body that I couldn't acquire when I was young enough when I first played Corpse Killer. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, Basically, that- if you just want a Jamaican dude to scream, I got your primo juju stick man in your <laughs> ear every 30 seconds, Corpse Killer's the game for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, so so those are happening, um, and then the last thing they announced was, I think, the biggest surprise, which is that they have an agreement with LucasArts to revive all the old Star Wars games, you know, the good ones. Um, <laughs> so um, specific stuff that they that they showed uh, was stuff like Dark Forces, Jedi Knight, X Wing, Tie Fighter. Um, oh I yeah. Think the first one they're doing is Bounty Hunter. Yes. Um, and then other stuff is gonna is gonna follow at some point. So did they show yeah. Republic Commando? Um, I can't remember. That's um, a really cool that is an game. excellent game. That is an excellent game. Uh, definitely. I mean, I'm not a big Star Wars fan or anything, but that is one of the games that I have played, and it was really really good. Um, I'm intrigued to see how stuff like X Wing and Tie Fighter are going to work on consoles, um, because those are like proper proper flight sims in space. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have a GOG copy of um, TIE Fighter, and I somehow got it to work with a three um, not a 360, an Xbox One controller. Yeah. But I think I had to do some kind of crazy thing. Like, I think I might have had to use, like, X-Patter yeah. to make it work. And even then, you can't do everything in X-Patter because there's too many... It's too many controls. There's yeah, that's that's what I mean. That's that's my main that's my main thing with it. It's like there are so many controls in those games. How are you going to map all those to a controller? And I'm just having horrible flashbacks to the PlayStation One version of Wing Commander Three, which required you to press all four shoulder buttons simultaneously just just to engage the autopilot. <laughs> um, so yeah, ho- hopefully they'll they'll figure something out with that. But uh, either way, it's good to see these games getting a, a revival because those old Star Wars games, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, they are great. So um, let's check those out. Um, right. So, um, we've talked for about an hour. Do you guys want to take a quick break before we move on to Nintendo? Because there's a lot of stuff to uh, to talk about there. Yeah, that's that's good with me. Okay, alright. So, we'll take a short break now, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a bit more about some of the other stuff that has caught our eye, beginning with Nintendo's conference. So, we'll see you in just a moment. Welcome back. So we've already spent an hour talking about uh, cool E3 stuff, and it's time to move on to Nintendo's announcements, uh, of which there were lots of very exciting and nice things, and I was very happy with all of them. Mm. Um, so first up, uh, let's talk a bit about the new Smash characters, uh, which are the Dragon Quest hero, or more specifically, four of the Dragon Quest heroes, uh, and Banjo Kazooie. So thoughts. Um, that banjo reveal trailer was an instance of trolling of the highest degree. And I, <laughs> it was fantastic, and I applaud it? Nintendo for their efforts <laughs> and their sense of humor, and for just making E3 in general a delight. Because <laughs> E3 is such a garbage pile mess of BS corporate speak and numbers and false enthusiasm, and Nintendo always manages to make me feel okay on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like with their just their wholesome celebration of games and their sense of humor, so it was just quintessentially like Nintendo E3 that trail the humor in that banjo reveal trailer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta say, um, 
uh, Banjo and Kazooie look uh, really, really good. Um, certainly better than they did during the Microsoft era, where it was just like uh, nuts and bolts, and they kind of became like more squarish. It's like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're being very very true to their original forms, I think, so that's going to be cool. I, I have seen some horrifying fan art of what might happen when Kirby eats them. Um, <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I've no. seen that too. You'll have to send that to me, I haven't seen this yet. Um, Does Kirby was, just sprout a second head? Well, it was, uh, yeah, it was It was um, someone questioning what happens. Uh, like, if, if Kirby eats both of them, does he get his own Kazooie, or does he just have this hideous growth coming out of his back? Um, so <laughs> that is a, a question we'll have to wait to find the answer out for, I guess. So, but um, yeah, one, one to ponder. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dragon Quest Hero was interesting because I, I, I know some people were expecting this, um, but the the implementation of them looks like it's going to be quite cool. Because I know mm-hmm. one concern over Dragon Quest Hero being included would be it being yet another Sword Boy, uh, which we've talked about before on here. But um, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be um, going to be quite intriguing because you've got these four different characters. Um, they've got different spells and abilities that um, are more than just using the sword. So there's a lot of iconic Dragon Quest magic going on in there as well. So, and there's um, an actual like menu, like an RPG menu pops up yeah. over his life bar where you make your selections for yeah. what you use. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's cool that they they didn't just pick one Dragon Quest hero as well. The fact that they have included, I think it's um, one from Dragon Quest three, one from Dragon Quest four, one from Dragon Quest five, and one from Dragon Quest eight, isn't it? I think no, yeah, there's eleven in there. Eight, as well. eight and eleven. Eight and eleven. So, eight and eleven. Yeah. Three, eight, eleven, and five. I want to say. No, I think it's four because it's the green haired dude from. Yeah, four, it's, isn't it's it? four. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Yes. Is no, that guy it, from three? No, three is the spiky haired dude. I mean, it's a Kiritoriyama, isn't it? So you know, spiky, oh, yeah. the spiky yeah. haired dude. Yeah, uh, it's not no, he, he has black spiky hair. He has black spiky hair. Um, yeah, so it's it's cool that they have those several options there. Um, it doesn't look as if there's going to be the female counterparts in there where applicable. Um, which is a shame because Dragon Quest IV's female heroine is super cute with her mm-hmm. massive poofy hair. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that doesn't look like they were there, but, I mean, they, they may well be in there as alternate costumes or something. We, we don't sure. know yet. But, um, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, it's been quite amusing to see people's reactions uh, ranging from, oh, wow, Dragon Quest is being acknowledged at last, uh, to Dragon Quest is irrelevant. It shouldn't be in Smash Brothers. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. No, 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 no. That's that's wrong, man. I yeah. mean, Smash Brothers is, um, I mean, it's not just a fighting game. It's It really is like a, uh, it's a celebration of video game history up yep. to this point. So to say that Dragon Quest hasn't had some um, impacts on like pretty much every JRPG and RPG that came after it, Dragon is, Quest is invented the JRPG. Dragon Quest, I, I know in, it's such an yeah. it's an essential game. Yeah. Also, so it deserves to be in Smash. Let's not forget that there's more people in the world who play Smash than just uh, um, uh, the American fighting game scene, and like yes. th- for Japan. In which Dragon Quest is practically a religion. This is yeah. tremendous. Like just because yeah. its cultural relevance isn't cemented here, like 
for Japan, where Smash Brothers is made by Japanese people, this is tremendous. Yeah. 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 If, if you care to look for them, there's some really interesting articles I've seen posted this week uh, to do with sort of the history of Dragon Quest's cultural impact and sort of talking about after, after Dragon Quest 3 pretty much brought the country to a standstill, they sort of had to request them to release them on days when people weren't working and that sort of thing. And it's, yeah, lots of, lots of interesting and amusing stories surrounding Dragon Quest's uh, cultural impact on Japan in particular. So um, that's something well worth looking into. Um, so yeah, that's that's cool. I'll be uh, excited to, to, to try them out. I actually haven't played Smash for a while, so I haven't even tried out Joker yet, but uh, it's going to be cool to... Uh, He's to, fun. To, ...to have some more characters involved. Yeah, okay. He's not great, uh, but he's fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just happy to have Persona 5 music again, so... Yeah, because, oh, it's uh, the best... Yeah, the best part of it... The be- Honestly, the best part of Joker in Smash is the Persona stage and the music. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't love playing as him, but it's great to have those Persona... Also, I told you right about the the spirit battles. The Persona right. spi- the, so so when you get a new character in Smash, you also get themed spirit battles around oh, okay. that are that cool. are exclusive that unlock with them. So you get a spirit board when you buy Joker that's only Persona 5 characters. Oh, cool. And and so just like all the spirit battles are cool to see how they've warped and and used the mechanics available in Smash to replicate fights with those characters. Yeah. It's really cool to see how they do that for the Persona 5 characters. So, like, there's a really cool... Like, the Makoto battle has... Is a battle against... Um, I, I think it might be Bayonetta. Or I forget who it is. It's obviously one of the girl characters. Yeah. But then but then Wario is there also summoning his motorcycle and throwing <laughs> it at you. But, awesome. But Wario is invisible. <laughs> so 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 the effect is literally there's just a sentient motorcycle launching at you all the time while you're while you're also trying to fight this girl like yeah so like if that happened with um persona there's probably going to be a dragon quest themed spirit board yeah with like a cute bianca fight maybe oh, question yeah. mark i bianca. don't know it's gonna be good excellent Bianca is my wife. Bianca is my Dragon Quest V wife. And uh, she is the correct choice, as everyone knows. Anyway, um, moving on. So, uh, the Dark Crystal Tactics. How about that, huh? I'm pretty excited, even though I have no idea who's developing it, just because the Dark Crystal is, like, maybe top five movies of all time for me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I I was just like, where did this come from and why? But, I it's mean, because not... they're developing a new series on Netflix. So oh, this, really? is, this this is a tie-in with the Netflix series that's being right. developed. Gotcha. That that's why Netflix sense. is plastered all over the the trailers. Right. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. Yeah, because I, I thought this came completely out of nowhere, but um, yeah. I mean, it did come completely out of nowhere. No one expected it to also well, be a tie yeah. a tie-in <laughs> game, but. But that's why, because Dark Crystal's been making a really big resurgence lately. There's uh-huh. a new series in development. Over the past couple of years, there's been uh, various comics and novels set in the universe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, not a game that we know a huge amount about yet, but they they did show off a bit of gameplay as part of the trailer as well, so we can get a we can get a a reasonable idea of what to expect from that. Uh, right. Moving on. Shall we talk about mana? We shall. Hmm. A reverential sense of calmness descending on you. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, I, what, what, 
what, what did I text you during that? Oh, I was I was actually crying in the lunchroom while like all the metal workers were just staring. <laughs> there was actual tears streaming down my face when when Trial of Mana was shown. Mm. Yeah, so so we've we've got two mana things. We've got Trials of Mana, which is a fully voiced remake of Second Densetsu Three, or Trials of Mana as it's known now. Um, and it looks lovely. Um, so we got some really lovely character models and uh, gorgeous-looking environments in that. Um, so that's that's going to be cool. And in the meantime, we've got Collection of Mana, um, which people have been hoping for for a very long time now because this yes. was a very early Switch yes. release in Japan, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, we finally got it. So this combines together the first second Densetsu game, which was known <laughs> as either Final Fantasy Adventure or Mystic Quest over here, depending on where you're from. Um, then we've got Secret of Mana, which people are most familiar with. And then we've right. got an actual English language port of second Densetsu 3, or Trials of Mana, yeah. now known for the and, first and time. Not- and not only that, they modified the ROM to allow for more text, so now you can get a really in-depth story. You get the official version. It's it's really really neat. Yeah. Um. I feel like uh, I feel like Square's uh, really been tre- treating us well this year. Yes. Yes. And um, the fact that they they've actually done a physical release of this as well is yeah fantastic. So um, I can't yeah. express enough the historical significance of this. Mm-hmm. I never thought that I would be able to physically own Seiken Densetsu 3 in English. Mm-hmm. Without. Yes, I can go to like any like crap game store and buy a, a ROM, a flashed ROM repro cart. That's different. Yeah. This is an official, legally sanctioned, physical copy of Seiken Densetsu 3 in English. This is a 24 year dream for me. Mm hmm. <laughs> like this is unreal yeah so as far as the physical release goes um i know it's very limited in europe so you have to pre-order it from square enix's store over here it sounds like from what you were telling me chris that in north america it's a bit more widespread because so you can yeah. get it from places like best buy and stuff as well yeah i pre-ordered um, mine at best buy GameStop's got it and the square enix store but best buy is yeah. going to give you free shipping so don't order it from the square enix store i think the shipping is like 11 dollars it's yeah. asinine yeah, it is free shipping in Europe. So if you're in Europe and you want a copy of it, then yeah, you can safely order it from the Square Enix Europe store and get free shipping on that. So, um, like I say, um, it, it is it is going to be limited in quantity in Europe. So I don't know how limited it's going to be in the states. Despite having a wider distribution, it may be that there's still not very many copies of it. So I'm, I'm sure uh, it's only going to get one pressing. Yeah. So if you, like, if you please want it, or please pre-order it, like yeah, don't gamble you, on this. Yeah. If you want it, order it. Uh, basically so yeah i i'm excited to explore these because um the manner in general is not a series that i know very well so at some point i'll be doing a proper big feature on all of these games um and actually exploring them in depth for the first time so i'm very excited about that mana would be prime for you to do one of your deep dives like you did with sonic yeah Yeah, because the the series has explored so many different genres and interesting mechanics and just kind Mm -hmm. of become a, a set really it had has become like a playground for exploration of mechanics. Yeah. Like unified across various unified by a visual presentation and atmosphere, but just an exploration of all kinds of games. Yeah. 
yeah so looking forward to that at some point it, it, it will definitely happen so the physical release is out in august here so it'll be sometime after that all right continuing on um they put the witcher 3 on twitch and i don't know how the fuck they did that <laughs> is it cloud <laughs> is it cloud based like i don't know what's happening um so yeah the, the witcher 3 is coming to switch in the complete edition so it, it's it's the witcher and all the um the big expansions and the smaller dlc bits that it got as well so um yeah you'll be able to play the witcher 3 on the go um as i say i have no idea how good this is going to be how it's going to perform or anything like that um certainly the the, the trailer if it was indicative of what to expect certainly nothing to complain about there um and the witcher 3 is a great game so yeah if you've not played it yet then you you will be able to take it with you in your pocket <laughs> Uh, just uh, remember to look away from people when you have one of the naughty scenes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, continuing on, we saw a bit more of Link's Awakening, which is looking absolutely lovely. Um, this is one of my favourite Zelda games, um, and the the sort of toy-like aesthetic is absolutely perfect for the kind of dreamlike atmosphere. The thing that I was most interested in was something that they just called, sort of sort of slipped into the presentation and didn't, didn't really sort of make a huge deal of. But there's this thing called chamber dungeons, uh, where you can basically collect dungeon rooms and then make your own dungeon, um, which is very exciting because it's um, it may well be sort of testing the waters for a a Zelda maker um but e either way it looks like it's going to be fun so you'll be able to generate your own custom dungeons and run through them and presumably share them with people online as well um so that's that's looking like it's it's going to be cool um moving on uh, there's a new contra game coming um do you want to talk a bit about this chris because I, I think you've uh, you've looked up a bit more information on this than i have and you know contra better than i do just um there's a new contra on the way uh, it's called mm -hmm. contra rogue core um the they have stated that very specifically the development team um is really focusing on making this fun to play multiplayer mm -hmm. um which is really at the heart of what contra has always been wonderful for um so that it's cool that they've got that in mind while they're making this um it is not a contra with the traditional side-scrolling perspective um it is introducing a top-down twin stick uh, model, which um, is not alien to Contra uh, mm -hmm. by by any means. I, I know a lot of people are like, this isn't Contra because it's not a side-scroller. But, um, well, actually, uh, <laughs> Contra, Contra 3 had top-down segments. There was a full top-down, slightly isometric Contra game on the PS1. Um, there, one of the Contra games on PS2 was also an uh, isometric top-down game, and it was fabulous so there is a history of contra games exploring this perspective it's not always just been a side scroller mm -hmm. um i don't know it's it looks like a good kind of irreverent fun uh, just violence and explosions everywhere there's a really weird cast of characters there's an yeah. alien you can be a like cyborg panda bear man a, a girl who's like possessed by an alien that she's in like a symbiotic relationship with like just wacko character designs like gross out enemies explosions like it's contra it's gonna be <laughs> fun i'm gonna buy it it's getting a physical release and it is being developed by japanese developers so literally no reason not to buy this and support it and tell konami you want contra to continue living yeah definitely 
So that's cool. Um, moving on, I actually wrote down Demon X Machina, but uh, I haven't actually watched any of their sort of subsequent gameplay that they've showed of that. Did have either of you caught any caught any of the um, the new stuff for that? I just watched. I'm, I'm afraid I have not. No. Yeah. I, I know that on Nintendo's channel on YouTube, they've got like um, sort of uh, 30 to 40 minutes of, of new gameplay. And I saw, um, I think it, I can't remember if it was a tweet or a, or something as part of one of the um, one of the Treehouse videos. But there was, they were sort of say, saying that they had made a specific point to take on board the feedback that they got from the uh, prototype missions demo that they released a while back. Yes. Um, and so, so if if you if you quite liked it, but maybe bounced off it a bit, um, it's it's probably still going to be worth having having a look at the new stuff to see if it's addressed some of the uh, some of the things that uh, people criticised about that. I actually really enjoyed the prototype missions. Um, yeah, me too. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this how this ends up. Because I can't speak from a place of cognitive dissonance because I knew I was going to buy this game 30 <laughs> seconds into the original reveal of it last year. So, so whatever. I can't wait. Also, I want that doofy controller that Hori's making that turns the Switch into a beast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um, Hori has made a new controller that's sort of designed to go along with Demon X Machina, but it, it will presumably work with anything. And it basically replaces the Joy-Cons with... Uh, it's, it's pretty much two halves of a Pro Controller. So it's got full-size buttons, it's got a proper D-pad, um, it's got triggers in quite a weird place. Because um, it, it's not on the grips, it's actually sort of on the back of the system from what I've seen. That's fairly um, common for controllers that are made specifically for shooters. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they, yeah, they've they've said that like the other sort of third party Hori stuff they've done, like the the individual Joy-Con that's got the D-pad that they did for like Zelda and stuff. I think uh, that it's going to be lacking stuff like NFC, and I don't think it's got the gyro controls in it or anything no. like that. So it's it's just a controller designed for playing stuff handheld, and I don't think you can use it um, as a standalone controller. It, it has to be used in handheld mode. But if you're yes. playing it on your TV anyway, why aren't you using a Pro controller? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, moving on, we actually saw some footage of the Panzer Dragoon remake. Uh, what did you think of this, Chris? Uh, Joe, as well. <laughs> when those know. horns blared up, I knew. Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> I was done. I was like, I can't I don't even know if I can watch it, like, without getting, like, emotionally. It looks proper. What else can I say? Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't look bad. It looks good. I'm excited to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, do you know Panzer Dragoon at all? No, I've I've only heard of it. It's it's one of those things that I just ended up missing out on, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not a series I know well as well, aside from reputation. Like my sole experience with it to date has been in um Sonic and Sega All Stars Racing. Um in which it's a really fun track to be fair, but you know, you're racing, <laughs> racing around as, as as Amy and that is uh, probably a different experience from playing the actual game. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it looks cool. Um I saw some people making some comments about the relative speed of it compared to the Saturn original, but I, I don't really know where they're coming um, from because I have no context I, there. Why wouldn't you want it to be faster? Yeah. Uh, it, it, the Saturn the Saturn games have not aged well. Mm -hmm. Uh three three D on the Saturn in general has not aged well. Um yeah. And specifically, the original Panzer Dragoon is a game that people with motion sickness have a lot of issues with. Yeah. Um, because it has a very slow plotting. Uh, I want to even I want to use the word liquid like it's like it's, it just feels like the whole thing has got like this like 
flowy feel to it that's a little off-putting and, and some people get sick playing it it's fo <laughs> it, it's foggy the textures are odd um so this is wonderful be because it's really gonna bring the designs and the artistic merit of the original panzer to a modern more playable platform it's this is good. Ho hopefully it turns out well. And yeah. I remember when, when this was revealed months ago, there was discussion about kind of updating it for modern audiences and including some elements of progression and some <laughs> RPG-like stuff to it, um, which would be great because the original Panzer, while wonderful, it's just an arcade -y experience. You, you play yeah. it through for score. Um, so this is... It's cool if they're going to add some kind of item collection or... In my in my dream world, I'd be able to collect cool armor for the dragon or something. Yeah. But yeah. but um, it's all this is all just um, you know posturing. Yeah, I th po I th postulating. I think this trailer also made um, kind of gave uh, some people a bit more faith as well because I know when it was first announced, some people were a little bit concerned that the people who announced it were they they up until that point they'd primarily been a developer of mobile games, um, but I think sort of seeing that trailer now and how sort of authentic it looks to the original how impressive the graphics look how good the speed is and that sort of thing uh, yeah i think that's going to set a lot of people's minds at rest which is it's which being is made with love and respect clearly yeah. yeah yeah definitely certainly certainly not a not a cheap knockoff certainly all right uh last thing i had from nintendo is astral chain so would either of you like to comment on what we've seen from astral chain so far it's platinum baby <laughs> what else? Yeah, I, I, what love, else? I love Platinum, I love action, I love, uh, you know, absolute insanity, this is what it looks like, so, I'm I'm hyped, yeah. I already got my pre-order in, yeah. so, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna play it, end of August. Yeah. Oh god, is it that soon? Jesus Christ. It is, it Why really is. Yeah. so many games coming out in, like, these three months? It's insane. Uh, so, September September is the worst. Yeah. Demon I'm, X I'm Machina is September as well. I, I'm I am going to die in September of all the <laughs> September releases. Isn't isn't um Trails three in September? Yes. Oh, Code gosh. Vein is also in September, and so is AI the Somnium Files, so I thought Rip this me. month was bad. I thought this month was bad. I, no, like, it's, I was it's doing September. The next four months are bad. Yeah. Oh god. Like, oh. I will prepare my wallet accordingly. <laughs> like I was telling you, like I don't know what to even order. Like uh, Peach Ball and Umahara Kawase Fresh come out on the same day in the states. Uh -huh. I don't yeah. even know <laughs> what to do. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to Astral Chain. I I I watched a couple of things that Nintendo put out again on their channel on YouTube. They've got some uh, some more in depth gameplay and stuff on there. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. There's also a a great video that's three things you didn't know about Astral Chain. And number three is there are a lot of cats in this game, and you could yes. pick them up and pet them. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite happy about that. So uh, my whole thing about this game, and this is like my weird, like obscure game knowledge coming out. Uh, are any of you guys familiar with Chaos Legion for the PS One? I own the PS Two. The PS Two. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm, yeah. Not really. No. So Chaos Legion is this really weird Japanese action 3D character action game that was developed by Capcom for the PS Two. And the whole thing of the game is you're this knight, and you have these you, these 
these haunted spirit knight friends you summon that are called legions that you control to like assist you in battle and they're tethered to you by this like chain of energy Mm. and like this is like the same thing (laughs) (laughs) like like the like the little robot dudes you summon are called legions in this as well yeah (laughs) like it's ridiculous like go watch uh, this is I'm not I'm not knocking this. Uh, Chaos Legion was a brilliant game that got zero recognition, um, but it, it, this reminds me so much of like the spirit of Chaos Legion returning, which makes me smile because it was one of the PS2 games that I would like try to sell people on and always get yelled at. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, I, I I do own a copy uh, that I've managed to pick up for not very much money at some point. I just haven't tried it yet. So yeah, I just that's pushing it up my list a bit um so yeah intrigued intrigued to try that i was i was just looking them up and seeing if there's any like developers in common uh but it doesn't look that way i tried um, to do that and i couldn't find anything but the, like the, spiritually it's so similar in concept yeah the, the the main um guy who's credited behind it is is mostly involved with street fighter now from the look of things he's done a few things with monster hunter but he's yeah most of his stuff seems to be to do with street fighter 4 and 5 at the minute so yeah it's ono right it was ono yeah 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 but at the same time like platinum is platinum is built from the ashes of clover which was capcom uh, Capcom, so like the likelihood that a couple people might have worked on chaos legion or were around capcom and fondly remember chaos legion Mm. like some of that dna can could be there even if some of the same people aren't there because this was during like prime clover time when yes. uh, when when chaos legion was made. chaos legion wasn't a clover game but it was mm-hmm. this was while clover was making things like okami and beautiful joe and piano 3 and god hand were so they all clover i didn't realize some of those were clover I have to uh, have to check those out for sure i i, I knew beautiful joe was obviously in okami but uh, i didn't know that uh, pna3 and um what was the other one he said god hand god hand i didn't know that was them yeah that's cool all right yeah so astral chain looking very cool indeed so anything else from nintendo that either of you would like to mention before we move on trying to think but that that pretty much covers it i mean luigi's mansion looks great oh yeah 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 i'll I'll be looking forward to playing uh link's awakening all over again yeah definitely Yeah, that yeah. is that that is one of a couple of Zelda games I've played lots of times at this point. So I've played Link to the Past a lot of times. I've played Link's Awakening lots of times. So it would be nice to revisit it from a a new perspective. Gonna um, gonna blow all my credit out the window here for the first <laughs> time. Never never played Link's Awakening. Oh, oh. Did not did not have a Game Boy growing up. Never oh. played Link's Awakening. Oh, it's good. It's real good. Also, Marin. Yeah, Marin's cute. <laughs> I know there's Goombas up in there. Yeah. Uh, like, it's beautiful. And I've read a lot about the history of its development and stuff. But yeah, I didn't have a Game Boy growing up. I never played it. Never, mm. and, I, and I never looked back to play it because I'm not a huge Zelda guy. Mm. Yeah. But uh, many people have told me that Link's Awakening is the Zelda for people who aren't super into Zelda. Like, it, yeah. feel, it feels a little different and weird. And it's yes. Yes, kind of its own much. beast. I mean, it's it's got a bunch of elements in there that uh, you don't see in 
uh, well you you don't see in the other 2d zelda so there's like there's sort of a few, a few side on segments there's jumping there's lots of stuff like that it, it, it does feel it feels like zelda but it also feels <laughs> like something very different as well so mm-hmm. um yeah definitely worth looking at and it looks like this this new remake is going to kind of sort of leverage those feelings nicely so yeah um the the other thing about Link's Awakening is that they borrowed heavily from Mario. Mm. Um, there are a lot of Mario enemies in, in that Zelda, and yes. even some of the characters. Like, there's one character I forgot his name. He looks like Mario. You meet him early in the game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like in that new art style. Yes, yes. There's stuff like chain chomps and stuff in there. There's there's Doctor Wright from Sim Cities in it as well. Um, <laughs> so, oh, that's right! Yeah. I, I remember that. So there's, yeah, there's, a, there's a bunch of little cheeky Nintendo references in there, and like, like Doctor Wright even plays the right music from SimCity. It's, it's delightful. It's, it's lovely. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's Nintendo. Um, so just to wrap up today, then uh, I've just got a couple of things that sort of announced around E3, not necessarily at E3, but certainly around the same period as well. So the first one we've got is that Torchlight Two is getting a physical console release on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. That's coming on September the third. Um, so uh, again, like we talked about earlier with Minecraft Dungeons being sort of the accessible take on uh, the dungeon crawler, Torchlight is another sort of good gateway game to this because. Uh, it's got dark elements but it's also got quite an appealing art style it's kind of akin to um sort of warcraft's art style isn't it from what i remember it's been a long time since yeah. i actually played it well uh, so, the, the it's former blizzard people yes yeah right so so it's it kind of has a, a very strong diablo feel to it um but it's also got some interesting and unique elements in there as well like you you have a pet that can sort of um, if you've got too much loot on you, you can send your pet back to go and sell all your stuff at town and that sort of thing. Lots of nice little quality of life things in there. It's got a good fishing mini game. Yeah, um, it's it's got a nice sense of humor. It's fun. It's got some interesting character classes and skills and abilities and stuff in there. So yeah, this this should be a good uh, action RPG for those who are maybe looking for something that isn't as as grim, dark, heavy metal as Diablo is. Um, so that's cool. Uh, the other, other thing I wanted to bring up was that uh, Sekai Games, which is the sort of um, the less visual novel side of Sekai Project, uh, have announced or confirmed a bunch of stuff for PlayStation 4, including some uh, some VR stuff. Uh, so this um, it, a lot of it is stuff that has been out for a while on other platforms. Uh, for example, Root Double uh, is coming to Switch. That is that has been out on PC for ages. Uh, I forget if it came to playstation platforms but it's coming to switch as well this is a very well regarded visual novel uh, adventure game um a lot of people sort of compare it to in, in terms of sort of theme and atmosphere to uh the zero escape series so it's a similar kind of atmosphere to that sort of thing i, I haven't played it yet but someone was actually kind enough to buy it to gift me a copy on steam about five years ago and i still haven't played it yet so apologies oh. um <laughs> i will get to it eventually i haven't forgotten um yeah, other things that are coming up is uh, Project Lux, which actually actually limited run let out of the bag before um, Sekai Games did. This is a virtual reality, um, I don't know if I want to call it a game, because it's, it's mostly a sort of narrative experience. So the concept behind Project Lux is that uh, you're in a futuristic courtroom, and in order to sort of get to the bottom of the case, you're experiencing the memories of various people. 
and so um i i think it's it's set up in such a way that you're part of the jury and you have to experience the memories of the defendant or something like that so it's mostly going to be kind of a narrative experience in which you sort of passively observe things going on but uh, uh in vr so um if you've ever played a sort of more character centric vr experience like uh something like uh summer lesson or something like that then this is probably going to provide a similar kind of thing to that um other stuff that they've got coming fault milestone one is coming to switch ps4 and playstation vita i don't know a huge amount about this aside from the fact that again it's it's a very well regarded um visual novel uh so that's coming to more platforms um one that i'm quite excited to see is tokyo chronos um this was a playstation vr visual uh, sorry a virtual reality visual novel uh, that has been out on Steam for a little while. It had a Kickstarter, if I remember correctly, um, but it's now coming to PlayStation VR, and that's going to be out in August of 2019. Um, this was developed by a company called My Dearest, who uh, aren't terribly well known, but they made a um, a kinetic novel a while back called School of Talents that I really enjoyed. So they have a real sort of talent for um, character-centric storytelling. So I'm excited to see what they do with VR. It's something they've been um, sort of keen to explore for a long time. Uh, other stuff, uh, Heart of the Woods uh, was a very well-received game when it was released on PC a while back. I think it's a it's a Yuri visual novel. Um, again, don't know a huge amount about it because I haven't played it, but it was it was sort of a big deal when it came out because people really enjoyed it. Uh, World End Economica um, is a series that's been running for quite a while, and they're putting the complete thing on Switch, PS4, and Vita in winter of this year this was if i remember correctly written by the guy who wrote spice and wolf i think um i think that's right uh it, it's certainly written by someone very high profile so it, it's uh, sort of got some good storytelling talent behind it uh, and then there is uh narcissu which is uh, a series of tear jerkers so if you ever wanted to uh cry a lot then check this out this is coming to switch and playstation 4 in winter of 2019 um and then finally the final thing they announced is undead darlings no cure for love which is a uh, dungeon crawler combined with visual novel and dating sim uh with zombies zombie girls cute zombie girls so chris might be interested in this one um yeah that game that game's interesting because it's been um around like the crowdfunding circuit for years yes failing, I was, I was failing to that. be crowdfunded it's sort, it sort so. of failed on kickstarter several times but um it looks like it's got a lot of potential behind it and it's certainly got yeah, a very passionate development team behind it and it's got nice art and it looks like it's got some interesting presentation in the battle screens uh, so it's got a really sort of uh, stylish look to it um and the fact that it's a dungeon crawler rather than a straight visual novel might bring some some people on board who might not um engage with some of sekai's other stuff so like this guy yeah definitely so i'm interested to see how that turns out um it, it's good that it seems to finally be moving forward because i i know that the the first couple of times that the crowdfunding efforts failed i know the developers were really bummed about it so it's it's good to see that they're getting the opportunity to actually make the thing that they've been trying to make for years at this point um and that's everything i've got on my list so is there anything you guys want to bring up that has uh either happened at e3 or adjacent to e3 before we wrap up for today i've got two little things okay um uh today this morning it was uh teased that uh nicholas might be doing a physical pressing of ikaruga oh yes for modern consoles switch and ps4 mm -hmm. um which is great because ikaruga is 
um, one of the great masterpieces of the modern era. Um, and whenever we can buy a game made by Treasure, we do so, so that we <laughs> can ensure that they still exist in the shadows Yeah. Um, until yeah. one day they release something new on us. <laughs> you never know. Um, the other thing... Oh, I'm sorry, did you have more? No, 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 no. The other thing that was cool to me, uh, I'm a big fan of the Darksiders series, and as mm-hmm. part of Stadia, the announcements about Stadia before E3 was revealed that uh, there is a new Darksiders game on the way, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and what's interesting about this one is it's uh, called Darksiders Genesis, and it's a prequel that's going to introduce the the Horseman Strife for the first time is playable, which he has not been in-game available yet in any of the previous titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really cool about this is it's being developed by um, Airship Syndicate, which is the development team responsible for Battle Chasers Night War last year. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Airship, Airship Syndicate is the developer who spun off of Vigil Games when Vigil Games died, which was, mm-hmm. Vigil was the original developer of Darksiders 1 and 2. And then they went under, um, and then some of their employees went to THQ proper and produced the most recent Darksiders, Darksiders 3. Some of the developers, including Joe Madura, the comic book artist who founded Vigil Games, went on to found, uh, Airship Syndicate. So, um, for those not super familiar with the history of Darksiders, um, Joe Madora is a comic book artist who is perhaps most famous for his original comic, Battle Chasers. Um, Darksiders is his baby. Like, from the get-go, he created this world. He created these characters. A lot of people were really unhappy that Darksiders 3 did not involve him at all. Um, he didn't do design any of the new characters. He just wasn't involved in the world. So it's really cool that this new spin-off Darksiders prequel game is back in Madura's hands in a studio that he's involved in again. Um, it is not a big 3D action game with Zelda influence like the prior three Darksiders titles. That's why it's not numbered. It actually appears to be a Diablo-inspired top-down action game. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have a bit more of a snappy arcade feel to it. I don't know if loot is in the picture or not, but it looks like it's got some twin sticky business going on. So I can't wait to play this because um, I really like this world. I really like the character designs. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, the one good thing to come out of the Stadia uh, presentation, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah, and now PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, and Stadia. So it's going to mm-hmm. be everywhere. It's going to yeah. be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Anything else you want to bring up, Jay? Um, I didn't have very much, um, although I did want to bring up that, uh, that game I mentioned at the start, uh, Fatal 12, it is available on Play Asia, and I love it, um, so if you wanted to get it physical, multi-language, I think, I think they're taking pre-orders for it now, mm-hmm. or soon, so, um, definitely check it out, I, I think I can safely say it's a recommendation for me after, after 10 hours of playing it. Cool. So cool, yeah. That's all I've got. It's the one I've had my eye on for a bit as well. So yeah, yeah hearing hearing good things from you about it is uh, definitely making me interested. All right, good stuff. Let's wrap up there then. So first of all, Joe, would you like to tell people where to find you online and catch your streams and so on? 
yeah, so I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a total Twitch junkie, but uh, you, you can find me uh, typically weeknights between uh, 7 and 10.30pm uh, uh, on weeknights, uh, Eastern. that's Eastern time. I know that's kind of late for you, you folks, but um, can always catch the VODs to see what you missed out on if, Will if you, you can catch a stream live. Will you be doing streams from the bathroom this week? <laughs> um, God, I'm not going to be playing Melty Blood, if that's what you're asking, but um, we could be doing that sometime in the future, I guess. <laughs> I think you missed the reference. There was some, yeah. there was some inappropriate behavior this week, shall we say. Yeah. Oh, the whole uh, Dr. Disrespect yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah I, I knew about that. Oh, so, <laughs> Yeah. Ah, uh, Twitch. Ah, yeah, so, um, so that's Joe, so check his stuff out. And Chris, where can people find you and commission you and give you money? Yeah. <laughs> uh, MrGilderPixels.com or on uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Tumblr is MrGilderPixels. Um, just polished off a new uh, Final Fantasy-themed painting that I'll be doing some photos of in the near future and posting, so keep an eye out. Cool. And as always, you can find my stuff on moegamer.net. Uh, kind of winding down before a holiday at the end of June at the minute, so we'll be back with a new cover game feature at the start of July. I'll also be kicking off the Final Fantasy Marathon video series at the beginning of July as well when I get back from holiday. So, uh, in the meantime, there's lots of stuff to read on there. I just passed a thousand articles posted on Moegamer the other day, so that's uh, quite mm. a nice milestone to reach finally. Um, Congrats. Dropping my controller on the floor while we do that. But yes, anyway, so, as always... Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Thank you to both of you for joining me for this discussion. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember you can watch a video version of it over on YouTube. Be sure to check out moegamer.net for new articles on Japanese and Japanese-inspired video games, new and old, every weekday. Every month, Moegamer features an in-depth exploration of an individual game or series as its cover game, so be sure to check the archives to see if your favourite has had a deep dive yet. If you'd like to support the site directly, please consider becoming a patron or buying me a coffee. You can find links to do both over on moegamer.net. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>